0: Hey, welcome back to the Real Quick with Mike Swick podcast. Today we have Josh Thompson on the show. For those of you that don't know, Josh Thompson was a teammate of mine for many, many years at AKA, and actually still a teammate, once a teammate, always a teammate, uh, a man that I have spent hours and hours and hours and hours with in the gym training, uh, who's helped me get ready for many of my fights, um, someone I've always looked up to uh, and been inspired by. He's, I've always said he's one of the most technical guys we've had on the team at, at AKA. Um, he went on to win multiple championships under the Strike Force banner. Um, he's, he has his own podcast, which is doing really good with John McCarthy called Weighing In. So check that out. Um, and he's a commentator and analyst for Bellator. So let's talk with Josh. What's up, Josh Thompson? Welcome to the show.
1: What's up, man? Bro, I, I, I tell people this all the time. You and I have been friends for what? Like, we started in what, 98? <laughs> Was it ninety eight or ninety nine, something like that?
0: Dude, I tried out for the team and met you in ninety eight, and yeah. then I came back to the gym in two thousand, aka in two thousand one. Yep. So it's yeah, been. So I was nineteen. I years. was already in
1: the. I was already in the UFC at the time in two thousand one. So when you yeah. came back, I was already in the. I already got signed by the UFC. That's fucking insane how that's, old are we that's, this is ridiculous that's
0: 19 years ago bro we were training 19 yeah. years ago together
1: that's that's crazy man that's because from
0: 98 to 2001 you were just kind of like sitting around waiting for me to get back you know like and then i finally yeah. showed up and you were like yes you yeah. <laughs> showed back up and then like then it was like that yeah, didn't happen. it was just it was
1: just nice man we just it was we had so much history of that gym from, yeah from uh, Frank Shamrock, BJ Penn, yep. uh, Dave Velasquez, Kelly Delante. Uh, t- I don't know if you remember Charles Taylor, Ryan Bow. Yeah, I mean that's history right I there. Charles, Charles Taylor, Ryan like, is history, on the gym.
0: I fought so Charles on the tryout. Ninety eight. Yeah. People, a lot of people don't even realize that it was like the Frank Shamrock team before AKA, and like me, you, and like Bobby and Trevor and like yeah. and Hob, We and Bob, we all created kind of the AKA team when Frank yeah. left. And we just called it Team A.K.A. because, like, that's the only thing that we had kind of like, you know. But like, people <laughs> don't know that. People think we started out as, like, A.K.A. And then, like, you know, we were already, like, yeah. up there. But it was, like, just a, a group of guys. We lost our big star, Frank Shamrock. He was gone. You were the biggest yeah. star, obviously, fighting in the big shows. And and I was just, like, getting there. And there was no Fitch at the time or Koscheck or Kane or DC or any yeah. of these guys. Even Luke, I think, at the time. It was just, like, Trevor and and Paul Buenitello and Bobby yeah. Southworth and – you and Bob and Hav, and then we just were like, yeah. fuck it, we're just going to build our own team, dude. And, dude, coming from that, so, so historic and amazing, dude, we, I mean, I say we, I mean, collectively, I, I had a small part of this, but, I mean, collectively, we built one of the best teams in the world yeah. ever, like, period, ever. Yeah. I, I argue this point a lot to people that they, there's no team, I think, in the world that's built more stars and more champions from the ground up, literally from, like, the ground up than AK has. And that's not taken away from other teams. I'm just saying we no. did have the formula down for taking somebody with talent and making them a champion and a star.
1: Yeah, that's that's the like people talk about like oh well Greg Jackson yeah but Greg Jackson ended up ha- getting stars at a the lot time. Of them. Yeah. Shot, Shot Evans was already a star before he went there. GSP when he was turning out of there was already a star at the time. They he, they were just going there to, to get fine tuned. Yeah. The, the, AKA, they actually built it up from the beginning. Like, I mean, I had some fights before, but it was like all like small shows. I remember fighting in front of like three, four hundred people. Do you remember? I was getting, remember, I was before the UFC, you and I would go to events. Remember in Idaho? Yeah. I would have, we would get fights in between because at the time the UFC only had fights like five or six fights a year on pay-per-view. And so you had to, you had to make money other ways if you were being a professional fighter. And so I would call up some of my some of my old contacts from my fights up in Idaho and we'd get fights in Boise. Yeah. You know, and that and they were actually paying pretty well. I think we were making like a thousand bucks at the time. And everyone's like, oh man, you guys are making so much money. And I'm like thinking yeah. to myself, bro, I would not even get out of bed for a thousand dollars right now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm good, man. But it's it's funny it's to it um to think that. Uh, they, I just remember crazy Bob a couple times at some of the Boise promotions that we went to, you know, there'd be like, you know, 2000 people in the arena, yeah. but you could just, we knew what we were making. So, I mean, like at the time I think I was making like three or 3,500 bucks. You guys were making like a yeah. thousand or 1200 or something <laughs> I was like that. so happy as fuck and Bob, too. And Bob would walk in and be like, he would just walk in behind the desk to the cash register and he would just hit the cash open drawer and he would count out our show money before the before the fights even started he would just grab all the cash count out our show money and then he would like put the rest in the register and they'd be like hey what the fuck you doing he's like making sure my guys get paid
0: yeah 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 of course
1: like you know and then we like we would always get our show money and other other promotions or other fighters would not they'd end up getting stiffed yeah you know because the promoter would just take the cash and Mm bounce before the fights would end and be like yeah yeah fuck it we'll just won't pay him and then we always got – we always at least got our show money, you know, and that was what was important, I think, at the time for us. I and mean, then, you know, for some of show us – Show money, like, dude. Myself, we won all
0: the time. We got our win money.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, majority of the time – like for me, the majority of the time, I got my win money at the time because it was like, hey, those were like my connections for the Boise shows. Yeah. But it was pretty cool, man. I had – I I just remember the history of it all, and we had such a great time building the – you know, not just building the – help building the team, but it was just – what people don't remember I don't think what people don't remember or people don't know is that Frank Shamrock's team was it was this little it wasn't even it wasn't even his team aka wasn't his gym it was Javier Mendez's gym right. Frank had just a small little matted area off to the side that was in H- aka which was Javier's gym so it was never Frank's gym it was yeah. never Frank's uh it was Frank Shamrock's team but it was like a it, it was just this little area off to the side that was his. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, he was definitely part of building AKA as far as, like, in terms of name recognition. There's no doubt about yeah. it. Uh, but it was always Frank Shamrock's fight team at the time. Yeah, And then when he left, you know, we just... just we're like, you know what? Forget it. Let's just let's just call it, AK, you know, AKA yeah. Fight Team, or just AKA. We're just all yeah. fighters from AKA. We never even really thought about giving it a name. It was, it just happened organically.
0: Yeah, and no disrespect to the other teams, like like uh, Jackson Wickeljohn, like they're some of the greatest coaches in the business as well. Great gyms, great coaching but it's just that we had the, the, the one thing we had different was we had the ability to build from the ground up you know what i mean like so yeah. we had the great coaching staff and, and and to be able to build champions and to coach champions and to have champions fight under our banner but just through trial and error like you know those early days like you're talking about where we tried to figure out things and we would you know the air airdyne came in with van Arsdale or whatever and then we started building a workout around the air down or airdyne yeah. and now it became like a staple of ak which we still have here at ak thailand Um, and it's like we just started working on all these different like curriculums and 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 threw away what didn't work and kept what did work and it just over time created this this award-winning you know champion making curriculum that like proved to be a success when Kane came in when DC came in when Khabib came in when Fitch and Luke and everybody else so yeah man it's, it's the old days a lot of people don't know that you know a lot of people don't know the history of like where it was back then and you know, it was like, uh, yeah, like you said, like, like, like one pay-per-view every two months or something like that. Like when I yeah. got into UFC, and I got into UFC way later than that, which was 2004, there was still like a pay-per-view once every two months. Like it wasn't even yeah. like every month. There was like 13 office staff at UFC in 2004. Yeah. That's crazy. That's like yeah, 16 so, years. To,
1: yeah, to go back to your argument, though, about us building the t- or AK building champions or teams the only other team that i would consider to be a, have a, a true comparison to that team is the Militage fight yeah. team
0: yeah it's they, because they remember
1: they had tim sylvia you know and this was matt early hughes. in the day so they were just building guys you know sure matt hughes came from a wrestling background but he still had to be built as a fighter you know and sure the game has changed since then but they had matt hughes they they started with Robbie Lawler, so if you want to carry him over into now being a champion and being in all the success that he's had. You know, so Matt Hughes, Robbie Lawler, Tim Sylvia, Pat Miletic. I mean, they just had – Ben Rothwell, who's still fighting, came from that gym as well. I mean, yeah. they just had a plethora of guys that uh, – I want to say Mike Whitehead ended up going there, even though he started training up in Idaho with me when he was at North Idaho College Wrestling there. I mean – they had just a plethora of guys. That they were. You're right. Were phenomenal. I mean, if, I'm saying if you're, if we're talking building champions. Yeah. Pat Milicic did a phenomenal job of building champions. Right. Um. You know, Jens Pulver. How the fuck can I forget? I just Jens said Pulver. his name. Jeez.
0: Yeah. I was like, how would you forget about that guy? What, a, what
1: an what an idiot! How can <laughs> I forget that guy? Yeah. Yeah. Absolute stud. I mean, we're talking about building champions. I would say that they were probably yeah. number one at the time. But yeah. over time, you know, AKA is definitely caught them or is in the, they process were the of initial catching them and beating them.
0: They were the initial best gym at building gyms or yes. building champions. And then it just, threw, you know, they, they lost a lot of their fighters and their fighters kind of moved on some of them. Um, and then AKs just kind of had that, that, that just longevity. I mean, to, to be still yeah. having fighters like Khabib at the top and to still have DC at the top, you know? So it's like, I guess that's sort of what I meant, but either way, it doesn't matter. I mean, to be first, second, third is irrelevant. The point is we had a great curriculum and still do. And, and, and to be a part of that with you in the beginning was was incredible, man, because we were the ones putting the time in, taking the lumps, yeah. learning, like, what to do, what not to do, and, and that was tough, man. It was yeah. tough training. And a long, one thing that we had in common with the Miletic camp um, was we trained hard. I mean, it was like the school of hard knocks yeah. on both sides. We, we had to slowly tone it down over the years. But to be the best fighter back then especially, you had to fight. Like, when you, you know, you're a good basketball player. You play basketball every day. We fought every day, and I think you – you were very familiar with, with that <laughs> you, yeah. from the Frank yeah, Shamrock days on. You, 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 you had some pretty decent sparring sessions. It was pretty, it's pretty funny
1: when people say like you just did. You said, yeah, we used to train hard. You mean you, we used to train
0: stupid. Yeah, well, we, k- would kinda, sometimes, yeah. No, we would I trained stupid. We would not wear guard stuff. Yeah, we I was a sometimes. swicking out training stupid guy.
1: We we sometimes wouldn't wear shin guards. We didn't yeah. even start wearing knee pads till later on. Like it became, I think, right around the time that I started throwing more knees, started hurting people um, during the UFC, like during my UFC first run. It just became this like, Josh, you got to stop kneeing. So then I, we all had to start wearing knee pads. So knee pads were a mandatory. Shin guards were were we started we we always wore them. But it was like sometimes guys would only wear them on the leg they kicked with. And it was just, it became this big, you know. And then I remember when I first got there, 16-ounce gloves um weren't mandatory. It was like we could spar with 12s, 14s. Wow. Some guys would try and spar with, you know, littler guys would try and spar with like eights and tens. Um, and then, you know, like let's do with the MMA gloves. And I was like, that was the one thing I never enjoyed doing was MMA sparring. Like the with the MMA gloves. Yeah, yeah. Always hated it because in that era, it became it became like oh you hit me I'm a fucking hit you back and it was yeah. like no yeah I could just, I, could well, just with us, I, yeah. I just never liked it never liked that part of it all so crazy
0: but well, we had to wear the knee pads I think we broke Fitch's nose like three times like between breaking his oh. nose like so many times and then if it wasn't getting his nose broke he was like having to get super glued like his cuts we'd have we have uh, to go we'd have to go next door to like the the whatever it's called what was it was a fifty percent off discount store. It's called. It was called Big Lots. It big, was like a little doll, It was
1: almost like a really big dollar
0: store. <laughs> it's like a dollar store. We buy super glue to fucking like glue Fitch's face back together every day. It was fucking crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That we had I it's so crazy when I think about all the guys that have actually been through that gym and trained when I when I start putting it all together. You gotta think we had Forrest Griffin, we had Ben Askren, we had Pat Memor uh Pat Minahan. Minahan yep. Uh, we had uh um, Baroni. We we Andre Arlovsky came through, uh BJ Penn. You, you had his brothers. Remember his brothers came through? Uh and then you had Sheruto, Niza. I mean, we had so many good jujitsu guys come through that gym when BJ was there. It was just like phenomenal to think that I mean Dave Camarillo pretty much came over after he left Half Gracie's gym directly to AKA. Yeah. But a big reason of it, the big reason because of it was because of BJ because BJ and him had a uh, friendly relationship at the time and they still do. But, um but he was a big leading uh, reason of why, why Dave came. And I, and it was like, even all this stuff, even now that Dave is gone and left and, you know, doing his own thing. He's a big reason on why our gym was so successful between the combination between him and Javier, not just the fighters, but yeah. he, he helped groom and take the team into like a new, the new uh, era of, being well-rounded from judo foot sweeps, you know, to, cause remember he was a black belt in judo yep. as well as jujitsu and from his judo jujitsu, his foot sweeps, the way he approached the MMA game itself, um, mixing up with the striking, he was also someone that got in there and sparred with us. And so he could learn better on how to teach it and what worked best for him and his style of his, of how he would teach his jitsu and judo based around our style of standup, yeah. you know, that was taught to us by Javier. So it was, it was very, um, Sorry. It was it was very it worked very well together. And the two of them worked very well together, you know, Javier and and Dave. Yeah. And for people those for those people at home that don't know, um, you know, Bob Cook is a huge reason of why this whole thing worked so well together for so long. If not the main reason on why it works so well together for so long, you know. And then, you know, Bob, you have Javier, and then Dave and uh, Dave Camarillo. The three of those guys were just phenomenal coaches. And other coaches came and went, you know, right, from right. Weitzie to Lynn, Lynn. to, uh, you know, I can't even think of other names. You yeah. know, but there was other guys that were other coaches that were in there. Yeah. But those other coaches came and went. But those those three were the steadfast guys that really just kind of, you know. St- uh, dug their heels in and helped groom us. I think in all ways, I mean, it was phenomenal to think about how the game has, how we, how those, that those
0: guys helped change the game for us in general. Yeah. Yeah, And how we, we kind of helped change the game for the guys that are there now. You know, it's cool that like, it's an honor to have guys like Kane and DC come to AKA and, and Khabib and then end up making the careers they have, you know what I mean? Like off kind of what we all sort of, sort of started. And it was, I don't know. It's cool, man. It's cool being a part of that. And, uh, We took our lumps, though, for sure, man. I remember you didn't get in the UFC, like, your first, like, three fights because you were getting damaged too much from sparring.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, (laughs) yeah, I remember the, my first fight, fight, my first UFC fight was supposed to be at UFC 37 and a half, and I was (laughs) one week away on my very last sparring session, and Frank Shamrock's elbow, I had Frank against the ropes, was trying to take him down, and he spiraled me right in my spine, and it activated my sciatica. And I got to tell you, man, I, I couldn't walk for like almost two weeks cause yeah. it was, I fucked my back up, and, uh, and I was a week away from my fight and he, Frank and I had never got along really a whole lot yeah, in the no, beginning, no. you know, um, <laughs> later on, you know, throughout the, my career, we got along, but you know, during the, some, somewhat in the early strike force days, but then later on in the strike force days, we, we hated each other. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, one of those things, man. It was, um. It was unfortunate, as I'd been. I'd been signed. It's still funny. I talked to Sean Shelby, and Sean will tell you, till probably tell anybody, I'm probably the, I probably still have the record for someone who signed their contract to fight. You know, like, hey, sign my contract with the UFC. I didn't fight for almost a year and a half because yeah. I signed my contract with the UFC right the same day that we had the same night we had the uh, Shogun fights in Hawaii. So um, I fought in Shogun, which was a Sean Shelby promotion with his uh, ex wife. Um, Helen, those two had thrown a fight together in Hawaii and I had fought on that card. I had fought kid Yamamoto rest in peace. And, yeah. um, and that fight got me signed by Dana white in the, in the hotel lobby of the Alamo hotel in Hawaii that night. And it was almost a year and a half. I want to say it was like more than a year and a half, 18 months or something like that, that up until my first fight, cause I got hurt like two or three times leading into that. And Sean will tell you, he's the, he's the person who signed their fight contract and then didn't fight for like almost two years after uh-huh. we had signed him because he just kept getting injured. It's like yeah. the longest tenure or whatever of someone who just signed a contract and never fought for us. You yeah. know, because I remember I had to fight Razor Rob McCullough in the middle of that whole thing because I had no money. Yeah. And uh, I ended up fighting in the WFA and fighting Rob McCullough because I had no money. And it was like, and then Joe Silva said, Josh, if you lose this fight, like you're cut. And so I was really playing with fire. Yeah. I was, you know, and I had taken a bunch of small little low level shows. Um, with all of us in, um, in Idaho, we, I remember like, you know, it would be, be me, you, uh, other guys that would go up there and fight in these other shows, you know, I mean, Bobby, I think it fought, you know, I know Trevor had fought a couple times. Uh, you know, you, myself, I, somebody else, a couple other guys had fought at the time, you know, in these in these other Idaho shows, you know, and uh, but that's how I, I was able to nickel and dime my way through my my earlier part of my career, especially in the when I was in the UFC, because, you know, no one wanted to lose the opportunity of fighting in the UFC. Oh, it's the UFC. Yeah, but it weren't really paying a whole lot. Yeah. You know, I try to tell people I'm like my fight with Eves Edwards should have been for the lightweight title. And I only made eight grand. Wow. Like, I was, like it's ridiculous. I was, I was supposed to make eight and eight, and I lost. So I was that was supposed to be for the title. and I only made eight grand. That's just it was just a horrible, horrible contract. It was, but you know, at the time, it was like you were excited to be there, you know. So disgusting.
0: <laughs> who who was it when we went to Idaho? So I went there and fought. I don't remember who it was at the time, but I remember I went there and fought. You fought, all the guys fought, and there was somebody that came with us from Team AK, and they were the only one in the blue corner. And I remember. We were running shop in the red corner, like our we had yeah. our locker room. They had their locker room, and I remember that the uh, the canvas was made out of like sandpaper. It was like it was like the U.S. Postal Service was on there, and it was like sandpaper. So everybody that went to the ground just had no skin left, and we were just like we were just like kicking ass in the red corner. So like yeah. they just kept bearing like wheelbarrowing people into the blue corner and like. And he was in the blue corner, and he was just traumatized. I forgot who it was, but he was just, like, so traumatized because he was just seeing all these people show back up after the fights, and they were just, like, just just battered, dude. It was just, like, completely battered, no skin. And he was freaked out, and I don't, I don't remember who it was that was with us, and we were just like, yeah, just go out there and just fight, man, do your thing. And I can't remember who it was, but it was such a funny story because he was like, fuck, yeah. man. He goes, dude, every time they bring somebody back, they're just so traumatized. They're so, like, beat up. And, like, he goes, that's all I see, dude. Like, my mentality is, yeah. like, going down the fucking drain every time somebody comes back to my locker room.
1: We had, I remember there was, we had so many good, uh, we, we had done so many good events. Uh, where we had all went together and yeah. it was like, it was almost like road trip stuff. Yeah, right? like We we would all go together. It was fucking amazing. I do remember there was an event that we had all fought on. It was one of Pat Minahan's friends and, uh, Pat had a, I can't remember his name, but I remember the story. That's how old we are, story. bro. We was, can't
0: remember well? how, that's how old we are right now, dude. We're trying to remember yeah. names and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I,
1: I refer, <laughs> I, I call it CTE. Yeah, um, dude. It's a little bit of that too. <laughs> But there was a kid that Pat Manahan had brought. The, it was good, good jiu-jitsu kid. Kind of long and lanky. Fought at the same weight class I did. Um, anyways, I I I think this is probably the kid that you're talking about. We had he had fought, and he had won. We they had all partied that that night bef- before we went to the ho- the airport the next day. And I want to say it was like in in Boise somewhere. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we show up at the airport. And this knucklehead, yeah, I can't remember his name. Yeah, remember, he was sense. on, he was on, he was on Solmas. Yeah, like he couldn't even walk. Vaccines. Yeah, and he couldn't even walk, and yeah. he was drooling from his mouth. <laughs> I mean, it was so, it was so yeah, bad. It was bad. I think dude. we had to put him in a wheelchair and drive and like push him to the gate. But I was just like, what in the fuck happened? And dude, then later on, we found out that he was one of those guys that was addicted to, you know. Um, to muscle relaxants and, and bike it in and oxys and stuff. And, dude, I, want and peace, on, I, think, I want to say later on, I want he od on it and later on died. A horrible yeah. story I just told, I yeah. didn't even realize it was going that, that way. That might've but been I do him, believe man. that he ended up passing away from, from overdose of oxys and, uh, and, um, and muscle
0: relaxants that's crazy you, anyways yeah i was you would have never known though like he trained hard he, he won the fights yeah. he did good he's one of those guys that shows you like these guys that that have these problems sometimes with these pills it's like you wouldn't know like i i, I was surprised oh. to hear bob tell me how bad he was on the plane and he was carrying oh. him kind of off the plane and stuff and i was like really like are you sure and like i couldn't believe it so i was like i would have never known man
1: yeah, he, crazy. he almost kept us from all getting on because we had to. We, he was like literally like hanging like this on the wheelchair Fuck. and he was drooling from one side of his mouth. And it was, it was, uh, it was scary. Like to think we had that we could, he couldn't walk. We had to put him in a wheelchair because he couldn't walk. Fuck. He would try to take a step and his foot would like one leg would kind of come up. And it almost looked like he had that drop foot. You see some of these fighters get kicked in the calf too much. Yeah. It's like his foot would just go limp and he would almost trip and fall. We're like, what in the fuck is going on? And then we, um, he had told, like, we kind of went through his bag a little bit. And then I think Pat Minahan told us like, he's like, bro, he took like two or three somas. And I'm like, what in the hell? Like, and at the time that was during all that, that stuff that was going on with Mark Kerr. Remember Mark Kerr was talking about how he was addicted to morphine, oxy and all that other stuff. And, um, and Vicodin. And so when you hear those stories and they're like, I looked it up and I started talking like with people and they're like, dude, if you take one muscle relaxer,
0: yeah,
1: it just knocks you out. It knocks yeah. you out. And so when, when that happens and you see this guy, he's taking like two or three, four or five at a time. I'm like yeah. thinking to myself, man, no wonder you can't
0: function. Surprised he was still awake, to be honest. Yeah. What well, didn't going to bring the conversation down? Shit. I didn't know it was the same guy at first. Yeah. So, so what about you, man? Like, so how's everything going with uh, like the present time? Like, what are you, what are you doing? And uh, you're not doing quarantine so much. I see you you have your gym open and you're doing <laughs> grappling and everything else. Like, I can't even believe that. Yeah. Like, we're opening for yeah. Muay Thai in a week. I, this,
1: I think when it comes down
0: to it, right, I had too many people hitting me, especially
1: members, uh, hitting me up saying, look, for my mental health, for, for me to get through this. Um, that I I need to get back into the gym. I need to get back to some sort of normalcy. Can I, and people were hitting me up like, Hey, can I rent your gym? Can, can I, can I like, can I, can I give you money to like come in there and train? And I was like, look, I can't just come down there for an hour just so you can work out. Oh, unlock the doors, let you work out and then leave. Like it's not going to work that way. I don't want to open. I don't want to set the precedent for it to be that way. And when I started getting like anywhere between 20 to 25 people saying like, Hey, like I'm at home literally like doing like, you know, a bag of Coke a day. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this is not good. This isn't healthy for people that I know and I care about. Yeah. And, you know, and people, they're, they're like, literally, I'm going through cocaine. I'm going Shit. through, I'm drinking, you know, I'm, dr- I'm drinking, you know, a case of beer, you know, within, within, you know, within a day. And I'm thinking to myself, like, and when I started reading all the stats of people that <clears throat> drug addiction had went up, overdoses had went up you know suicides have gone up yeah. everything on top of the normal tragedy that was going on like this is also escalating and getting out of hand too
0: yeah
1: <clears throat> um and now that i've opened the doors for the gym and i've just decided that like hey i had everyone sign covid waivers you know um i've had everyone sign you know uh injury waivers as well for my gym right. uh everyone that is that, that comes into the gym they have to be a member, so they've already signed these, these things, and they have agreed to be to pay the membership dues so they know what they're getting themselves into right. with the chances and liabilities. Um, on top of that as well, I've talked to um, <clears throat> people on the police force. I've talked to firefighters, and I've, I've talked to people that work for, the, work for the mayor of San Jose, and all the conversation and talking pieces is that we are gradually opening up. I had opened up a little bit earlier than expected, but this is also a small business. Yeah. How are you releasing and, and I'm not condoning I'm not condoning a lot of um what um like what's going on, you know, politically. I, I don't care about I'm not getting into that. Yeah. But what I am saying is that when you when they when the when the cities are letting out pedophiles, rapists, you know, raw ro- you know, yeah. criminals out of jail but yet turn around and arresting small business owners. Yeah. After having my conversation with, you know, for opening up and trying to make a living after having my conversation with people on the police force and after having my conversation with the firefighters and some people that work in, in the, in the offices of the mayor, they just said like, look, just tread, tread carefully. We are, we're trying not to write citations. We're trying not to make arrests. We're doing everything we can. We understand that small businesses are trying to operate and do the best they can as well to stay open. You know, because we haven't even hit the hardest part of this whole thing, which is the recovery. Yeah, and and that that is going to be prolonged as well. Um, You know, given the fact that some of these states are not opening and not allowing small businesses to operate, and I just said for myself, as a human being, I cannot allow people that I know to be directly affected, whether it's drugs, alcohol, whatever it is. And if they they consider this like their sanctuary or their outlet, my gym then I'm going to go ahead and let it open and, you know, and I'll just take it on the chin because financially I'm the one that financially, I can't, I mean, like, I can't, I can't dish out millions, but I'm saying financially, like if this came down to having to fight, you know, for the stability of like the gym, I, I'm fine with closing the gym. You know, like if, if someone wants to try and sue me, I'd be like, you know what? I'm under an LLC. I'll just close the gym and move on and just, you know, whatever you can file bankruptcy and move on. But for me, I would feel like I would I'm doing the best I can for humanity by giving these people outlets to train and giving these people outlets to, you know, to take care of themselves, just not physically, but mentally, you know, and a healthier person is less likely to get covid um, a mentally strong person is less likely to interrupt and cause riots and loot and and do things that they're not supposed to be doing and break the law. You know, these health healthier people have a better mindset on what what is to be expected from them. And so um, when I talk when I'm, I'm talking to, to you about this is um, for humanity, I think it was better for me to go ahead and not I want to say bend the rules. I'm actually breaking the rules. But it's I'm doing it for the for the greater good of people that I care about. And yeah. know. and so when I, people say like, oh, it's not direct, COVID doesn't directly affect you, so you don't care. That's bullshit. It's directly affecting me with the fact that people that I know and care are doing things they shouldn't be doing because they're stuck at home with no jobs. You know, yeah. um, they're not working because their business, the company they work for, is not open. And you know, and they're really not getting a, a full paycheck. They're making you know, th- before they were making you know, twelve to fifteen hundred dollars a week and now they're making 250 a week. There's a big difference, man. When you're trying no, to make rent, you're trying to crazy. pay your trying to pay your mortgage, whatever it is, it's just not fair. It's not it's not fair, and I understand life isn't fair. I'm one of the proponents of of someone that says, like, "Yeah, you know what? Lift yourself up by the bootstraps kind of person." I'm that person. But um but I also think that the argument is being shaped that Right now, life isn't fair for a lot of people, Yeah, you know, and we just got to figure out a way to get through it and work together. And for me, working together means if I have to open my gym and take it on the chin, you know, when someone comes to write me a citation for opening early, then I'm going to fucking do it, Yeah, you know, to make sure that someone's mental health is taken care of, to make sure that someone is, is, um, is, is trying to live a healthy lifestyle, but not able to because they're stuck at home. Just woe is me living in that drowning themselves in their miseries. I can't do that. I can't allow someone to do that. Because I went through those phases throughout my career where, you know, I, I would drown myself in drinking when I couldn't, you know, I'd be out at the clubs partying all the time. You were you worked at a, a couple of bars, yeah. barbacks backs and, and bartenders, you know, yeah. and you saw me out there a couple of times. Yeah. That lifestyle just as I got older, just not for me. But back then, when I when I didn't have fights, when I when I was sitting on the shelf, when I was injured, I was out drinking, I was out fighting in clubs, being a professional UFC fighter, you know, being a professional fighter, period. You know, and it just It's not healthy, man. It's not healthy. And I know, I know these young kids that are 24, 26, 28 years old, you know, hitting me up like, man, I got to train. I got to do something, you know, I'm mentally not right right now. Like I need to get in there and do something. And that's all it's going to take, you know, to get them through these younger years of their life and give them some sort of direction. And if, if opening my gym does that for them, then i'll take it on the chin man
0: yeah i totally understand man i totally agree with you and uh, it's good that you're doing that you know i i I don't know what the logistics and the law is there we've been under strict guidelines here so like the government shut my gym down and at at one point the government shut the roads down where we couldn't actually go in different areas so i couldn't actually even go to the gym so it's crazy yeah and and so now finally it looks like in one week we get to open have muay thai you know and stuff like that and we're getting the same thing a lot of people want to get out of this quarantine and get over here and train so we got a lot of people booked I think it's probably one of the biggest high seasons we've ever had coming up pretty soon. So um, going on that, though, with the quarantine and, and uh, the coronavirus, what do you think about these fights with, you know, the UFC continuing with no audience doing Yas Island, doing uh, at the apex and stuff like that? And then what about Bellator? Is Bellator going to be doing some fights like that as well? Like, do you agree with that? Like just to keep it going and keep sports going and, and do what it takes? I mean I, I assume uh, you yeah, no, would,
1: I, but I, I absolutely agree with what Dana White is doing. I absolutely agree with the approach that Bellator is taking as well. There's no right or wrong answer because this is this is we're in uncharted territory and we've said this over and over again is it's this is unprecedented. We have never been in a situation yeah. like this. I mean, they talked about I think the swine flu from like whenever the hell yeah, it was yeah. way, way back when. But the thing is none of us were alive then. So we don't know what really happened back then. You know, the I mean flu. right now. <clears throat> it also sports weren't as as relevant as they are now you know i mean people like when we talk about mental health we talk about um you know keeping people sane sports is what helps do that yeah you know and, and back then they didn't realize that because people were so ingrained and in just trying to get by in life trying yeah. to make money to you know to to buy a house to 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 have more kids to make more money you know so they were still trying to get their shit together back then this in this day and age. <clears throat> People use sports as an outlet. People use training at a gym as an outlet. People yeah. use activities as an outlet. Um, do I think at the time when Dana was trying to make that push here in Lemoore, when he was talking about having the shows in Lemoore and having fights there, I thought that was the wrong time. Yeah. He was two – we're two to three weeks out. He's trying to shove a fight in there. And the safety, we, no one knew what was going on. No one knew the transitions of uh, the how it transmitted. No one, no one knew any of this stuff. And they still don't fucking know. No one, yeah. they, they still don't know. You know, they, they're, they're just releasing now that it doesn't live on hard surfaces. Yeah, it said that. like the, the, the temperature of 77 degrees. Now it actually kills the virus within yeah. seconds. Like nobody knows.
0: You I think know? that's and why it's so, so good in Thailand, man. We have hardly like, any cases here. I think that's why it's so yeah. fucking hot.
1: And so we're getting to that level now where it's like now, I mean, I think also two weeks ago or three weeks ago when they had their first fight, I think it was time. Yeah. It was time. I didn't support when he was trying to do it in California and he was trying to shove it down everyone's throat and trying to get it in there. I didn't support it at that time because it was still fresh. Yeah. But when he decided, when he finally did do the event, I was like cheering him on. I'm glad you got it done. The state of Florida was open. He took it to Florida and did it. And it was all done the best he potentially could do it. Like I said, uncharted territory. And I, I very rarely stick up for Dana White. But I got to tell you, and you have a great relationship with Dana White, which I want to talk to you about as well. I'm but sure he, you do. <laughs> he, 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 like, he, he did everything he possibly could yeah. do. I mean, think about this. This is how, how much that he has done. He still swabbed, he still shaw, uh, swabbed everyone's nose to yeah. see if they had COVID at the time. Um, even after they had tested negative for it, he still made people social distance, still made people wear masks, all those things. If you don't have it, why are you making these people do this? He's doing the best he can. Right. That's how ridiculous that people are being. Oh, well, Jacare had it. You don't know who he encountered with, this and that. All you people that are are giving it, like digging into him on this, they didn't know that he had it. They didn't know he had it when he came to Florida. They didn't know he had it when he came to the event. And his court, a couple of his corners had it. You didn't know. That's why they did the test. Yeah. You know, and a young, healthy, obviously in shape, Jacare is going to be fine. Yeah. You know, and at home with his kids, all these other things. He's fine. OK, let's 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 not, you know, maybe there was other people that potentially could have been infected, the like people that were on the plane ride there, whatever it is, you know, um, we haven't heard anything yet. So let's not jump the gun and say that, you know, oh, he's killed someone's grandmother. Calm down, you guys. Um Dana did the best he could with what he had to work with, and I take my hat to him, man. Um, he got sports back on TV, and I think he did a great job of doing it. My approach with the, with the Bellator is they're doing everything that they can, you know, and they're waiting for California to open up because I think a lot of people of who they have signed, a lot of people that work for the promotion are stationed in California. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, they will be doing shows uh, in California, and I even believe potentially uh, Florida as well. And so they're just trying to make sure that they can do the best they can for for everyone. They're pushing theirs out a little bit longer um, because because they want to make sure that all fighters have an opportunity to fight on these cards because they will have to cram these fights in. I don't know if it's going to be six weeks, eight weeks, or ten weeks of of just straight fights. But there will be a lot of fights back to back to back, yeah. you know, for for the Bellator organization, just like there is right now for the UFC, because they have they have quotas to me. They have they have um, they have a certain amount of fights. They promise these fighters to fight every year and they need to get those fights in because they understand that these fighters don't make money unless they fight, Mm -hmm. you know. And so um, when when Dana is being attacked by all these other uh, athletes, whether it's John Jones, Masvidal, you know, uh, whoever else is, is, is saying they want more money, I understand why they want more money. And I understand that this people, other people may say this is not the time. But um, but when is the right time? There is no right time to ask for more money. I I think everyone's like, oh, when's the time? Uh, Well, you know, but in reality, he just Dana's doing the best he can with what he has. And for those fighters that want to fight, guess what?
0: They're getting ready to fight.
1: And are the ones getting the fights.
0: And going back on uh, the coronavirus, too, you know, they say they just announced that, the, you know, the uh, the asymptomatic people that are getting uh, coronavirus, it's very rare that they can transmit it to other people. And considering that the majority of people are asymptomatic, Uh, long story short, man, I think this is a bad flu. And I think we do need to protect the people who are vulnerable, the people who have pre existing medical conditions and keep them locked up until we get a vaccine and a cure. But I think the healthy young people should go on with their lives. And I think the three months we've been locked up is bullshit. Like I think it's it's bullshit. And I think it's going to be proven when all this protesting and all this stuff where everybody's together, you know, in the next couple of weeks, when there's no huge spike in COVID cases and people dying and going to the hospital, I think that's going to prove that, you know, there's going to be a lot of Corona being spread with these protests and these people in the in these gatherings but it's not going to have the impact that people think so uh, going on that i agree with with dana with what he's doing and and keeping sports alive he's doing the best he can everybody has to try to do what they can and if he's not doing anything illegal uh then how can you blame him you know he's trying to get people fights and he's looking out for his employees all right so i got to thank our sponsor aka thailand the world's premier luxury training resort here in phuket thailand um, we are about to be open, guys. We are cleaning the gym right now. All new bags, all new equipment. It's going to be the cleanest gym, one of the cleanest gyms in the world, definitely the cleanest gym in Thailand. Uh, new mats, new bags, new equipment. Uh, we've we've uh, recovered all the weight uh, benches and gear, repainted everything. Uh, we've cleaned everything up. We've added lunar air purifiers to all the rooms, which is NASA technology technology antibacterial uh it does crazy stuff to kill the germs um so we are opening up soon Uh, The reopen special I have extended. So if you go to akthailand.com, you can save 30% off your training, off your group training for any time in the future. So depending on when your country allows you to travel and get here to Thailand from your quarantine, um, or if you just want to wait, maybe you're planning a year from now or two years from now, it doesn't matter. Uh, This is the best deal we've ever done. I'm going to extend it because I am overwhelmed at the response that we've had. Um, it's one thing to get good TripAdvisor reviews and, and, and have people come in and talk about the gym being a great gym and, and they're happy to be here and they've achieved their success and they've done this and that, 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 that is so rewarding to me, um, considering it was such a hard thing to build this gym and it was such a big risk and it, and it worked out so well and, and it's such a rewarding job to have, um, but when I did this 30% reopen special during the quarantine when there was so many uncertainties in the world and, uh, you know, Thailand was closed down, the gym was closed down, the airports were closed down, uh, many of the countries the same, airports closed down, uh, people unsure of when they were going to get to travel, a lot of people were getting laid off and losing their jobs, to have had so many people that have pre-booked training and sent uh, the money for that. The 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 thirty percent off to pre, to pre-book their training is is just another level of appreciation that I am so grateful for from all of you guys. That really shows that dedication that you guys have to come here and 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 book your training and that you will be here. So I commend you on making that step and 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 putting it down and 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 basically making sure that you're going to come and you're going to make that trip. Uh, and I'm honored and humbled that that I have uh, been a part of something like AKA Thailand that that is creating this for you and and, and enabling uh, so many of you to, to have something to look forward to and and that you are looking forward to it that's one of the biggest compliments to to what we've done and what we've built with the team here and the staff and the trainers I'm just overwhelmed by it so I am extending this 30 percent special uh Probably until we open. So, probably until June 15th, if you go to akthailand.com, you can pre book your training, 30% off all group training. uh, And that's a week, a month, uh, three months, six months, a year, however long you want to book. You can get 30% discount. The biggest sell we've ever had. Um, If you have any questions, you can email info at akthailand.com. We will answer any of your questions, help any of your travel. Uh, plans, get you set up with your accommodation, get you an airport transfer, do anything that you need to help make your trip easier. So anyway, for all of you that are watching the podcast, uh, thank you so much as well. I, I'm, I'm grateful to you as well. And uh, I don't wanna keep uh, rambling on here, but uh, if you haven't seen the podcast and you don't know what AK Thailand is, here is a video to give you an idea.
1: What's up everybody? I am here in Thailand. This is the first time I've ever been here. Been dying to come here for years the great Mike Swick. He's one of the big reasons he's been trying to pull me down here. What he built down here, AKA Thailand, is incredible. There's people here from
0: all over the world. You can train mixed martial arts here, jiu-jitsu, they have weightlifting, they have cardio, and obviously they have Muay Thai, boxing, everything. I'm telling you guys, I know everybody wants to go to Thailand because Thailand's so cool, but you can't come to Thailand without coming to AKA Thailand. Come on. Um, going on that, I know you want to talk about the Dana thing. I wanted to ask you, because I know you've, you've mentioned this before, and this has been a, a thing for you, and a lot of people just moved over to Bellator. I wanted to get your thoughts on... Uh, the guys like John Jones and Masvidal asking for more money, especially after Dana said that they just signed new deals. Now, I'm a fighter, so I want to state my stance first. As a fighter, I am 100% wanting to make more money and be a fighter and and want more for the fighters. I'm a fighter at heart. I've been a fighter for years with you, obviously. Um, So I always support the fighters and want to to see fighters get paid more and get more money. Um, On the other hand, being in business, and, and having the business side now and that being predominantly what I do, run a corporation, I have 50 plus employees and, and you know, to me now I see the business side of things where it's a lot more, um, you know, when you sign a contract, if I sign a contract in business right now, that contract is ironclad, I have to know when I sign that contract, that that contract, I have to assume that contract can't change and it's impossible to change this contract. Maybe things could change. Maybe I can get lucky and change it in the future if I want to. But as of right now, when I sign this contract, it's ironclad. And that contract goes through, and that's just what it is. Uh, but with fighters, they sign contracts. And I've never seen too many fighters sign contracts where they're disappointed. Usually they're putting it on Twitter and Instagram, like, yeah, four fight deal with the UFC or Bellator, whatever it is. And I'm so happy, and you know things are great. Um, but the sport in general is very unique in the fact that these employees that sign these contracts are in positions where they can make themselves super famous in one fight or two fights. And I think that's what the, the gamble is with these organizations. Like when Dana gives these contracts, he gambles that they do make themselves famous and, and worth more money. And then he gets them at that cheaper price. And then, and then he wins the gamble just like I'm sure he gives contracts to people and they fizzle out and don't make money. And then he ends up losing money on them because they, they end up in the prelims and don't make money. So I see kind of both sides, Again, I want to see fighters get paid more money, but I also see the side of if you sign a contract, I I think you have to honor that contract or you have to at least do what you can during that contract so that you have that negotiation power when that contract is up to do a new contract, then you can say, hey, I did your contract, I became a superstar. Um... Now that gets changed a little bit because I'm hearing about eight fight contracts. I never heard about eight fight contracts back when I was fighting. It was like three and four fight contracts. So that could change things a little bit more. But considering they just got contracts, according to Dana, what's your overall thoughts on on Masvidal and John Jones asking for more money so soon after they signed a new contract? Are they they in the right for that 100%? Or do you believe more about the contract signing and, and the obligation to that? What's your thoughts?
1: Well, well, Mike Swick, you have always been a company man. And I got to tell you. But that's like out of it, now. though. That's,
0: I am. I have been. I have been. I've always la- – you're right about that. I've always been a company man because I'm appreciative of what right. I got and from where I came from. But out of that, I think I do make sense with what I say because a contract is a contract, and we don't know what the UFC spends. Everyone thinks the UFC is this like – now, well, especially when it sells for $4 billion, it's this gigantic company that has all this money, and you want to get that money. But you got to understand the UFC – sold for four, uh, $4 billion or whatever right now, it's not the same UFC as when the Fertitta's had it. No, it's not. So now Definitely you not. have owners that are in debt $4 billion. So so like I was asking uh, another guy I had on the podcast before, uh, K- a Kung Lee actually, who's, who's, who's in court against the UFC. Say you do want a lawsuit against the UFC, uh, the Ali Act and the Monopoly or whatever this case is. Now you're battling a company that's in debt $4 billion and just trying to survive it's not the same as the old UFC. Um, now, what happens if you do hurt them, like you, you cripple them or you possibly cause them to go bankrupt or something? What is that going to do to the overall sport? And that can trickle into Bellator and trickle into Ryzen and 1FC and all these other organizations because all the organizations have a role in building the sport and doing things. So I'm kind of tossed with that. So biased aside or whatever, or company man aside, I feel like I have logical points and I want to get your, your points on those as well.
1: Okay, so in a free market industry, right? Yeah. If the UFC folds, so be it. You have Bellator, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, driving, I'm not being biased. I'm being 100% direct. Right. You have Bellator, you have one, you have Ryzen. and there will be other promotions that rise up from the bottom to take their place. Sure, maybe they won't be what the UFC is now with the connections that they have now. But in the free market industry, that's exactly what is meant to happen. Okay, so when you when you give that reason, like, oh, those people, those fighters will all find a home. They will. All, there's three other organizations that are talk. That you could say are pretty damn good, and not even. Oh, but sorry, you think Bellator can
0: pay? You think Bellator can pay? I mean, I love Bellator. I have nothing against Scott Coker. Bellator is a great no, no, organization. No, no. Do you think Bellator can pay John Jones money and Masvidal money though?
1: So look, so absolutely not they because can, they're a bad
0: organization, but it, it takes time to get to that level, right? The UFC has been no, there long does. enough to get that money.
1: I, I'm not even talking about. I'm not even talking about just Bellator. I'm talking about one. One can pay him that money. You think one, one can? can pay it? Yes, absolutely. Eddie Alvarez left, he fought out his contract and he left, he got paid triple what he was making in the UFC. Hmm. Triple.: Yeah, but
0: John Jones money, ma- dude, that's like that's like five million plus.:
1: I do agree with what you're talking about, the John Jones money, the Masvidal money, the Nate Diaz money, all that that, that you are right. That is a lot of money, yeah. okay? But you also have to think, though, in terms of, look, if those guys did leave, let's just say the UFC decided not, and those guys did leave. They would generate more money for that organization in long term, okay? So I think I think promotions like Bellator, um, and and the uh and One FC and PFL, PFL maybe not so much because they're a tournament, tournament base and they just are like, look, we do a million dollars, take it or leave it, right? You know, but John Jones could go there and fight every fucking year, you know, in every tournament, probably in every in, in every weight class, heavyweight and fucking light heavyweight. And just walk through everyone and make $2 million in, you know, a couple couple days worth of work. Um, he could he, – he, the money he would generate for the new promotion, whether it's One or Bellator or, or Ryzen or whatever, the money he would bring in um, would eventually trickle down. Like not trickle – but would trickle in to making sure that it was profitable. The other thing as well, let me just tell you this. If somebody like John or Mazdal or Nate or Nick was able to come over to, let us I'm just going to use Bellator because right, you know I have a relationship with them, who's to say that they wouldn't use them on a back-end deal? Like, you know, say, hey, I will give you this amount of money per pay-per-view or I will give you this amount of money per view, whether it's CBS, whether it's Showtime, whether it's Paramount Network, whether it's you know Channel 5 in the UK, I could give you the back-end deal on regular TV, I'll only have you fight on regular TV, and whatever money comes in from those sponsors or those those endorsement deals from that, we pay you off of that. There's that, as well as we could potentially give you other ways to make money. We could have you as a, an analyst. We could have you as um, someone who has their own show on CBS. There is ways for networks, especially the network that that now Viacom and CBS and Showtime have all merged. You mean to tell me that they they wouldn't find a way to make sure that those guys that are the probably you know uh, the biggest names in that organization if they were to come over would be would they wouldn't find ways to make sure that they made money. I I, I highly doubt that. But the you question have some of the is best and smartest people that work in those companies, there's no damn way they wouldn't find a way for those people to
0: make money. But the question is so Bellator's a business, the UFC's a business, considering Dana White didn't uh, you know, put a gun to these guys' heads and make them sign these contracts, Masvidal and John Jones, do you consider, do you, do you consider him a bad person because he won't, he won't budge from his contract? I mean, he's just sticking to what the contract says. He's not changing the contract. He's not saying, or the UFC, may, may, maybe not Dana specifically, but the UFC is not budging from their contract is all they're doing. So you signed a contract, and they're just saying you signed the contract. It's staying the way it is, so you can't go to Bellator. You can't go to these other places. You can either fight or you don't have to fight. It is what it is. Do you think they're wrong for that or do you th- I mean it's not considering the fact they're not trying to change it or do anything different whereas these guys John Jones and Masvidal are trying to change what they signed that's the question are they doing something wrong or not because most businesses they don't want to lose John Jones they want John Jones to fight I mean they're trying to they're trying to make the most amount of money yeah. possible with Masvidal and John Jones so they're kind of doing the right thing on their part and I, I agree I John Jones if they could get more money and Masvidal could be doing the right thing on their part but are they I wrong I don't yeah, I don't think Dana's doing the wrong thing. What I do think is this: There's a couple of things
1: that you brought into play in this situation. In this, there's hidden questions in there. Okay, one is: First off, when you were fighting, it was three and four fight contracts. Right now, it's six and eight, and sometimes ten fight deals. Okay, so when the UFC had bought Strike Force, Dana had said – or not Dana, but the UFC had hit me up and said, no, we want you to sign a six- or eight-fight deal. I was like, absolutely not. Right. There's no way. I'm going to sign a four-fight deal. I plan on being the champion. I plan on being in that number one contender spot, whatever it is, and I want to renegotiate my money. I renegotiated going in, even though I only had one – I think I had one or two more fights left on my contract. I think I had one more fight left on my contract, and I renegotiated going into that. So when I renegotiated, they wanted me to sign a 6 and they actually asked for an 8 and I said absolutely not. And they said okay, 6. And I was like, "No. I said it's a 4-5 deal. I plan on being around champion. I want to be I want to be the champ." So that all being said, I signed a 4-5 deal. And I'm thankful that I was able to do that or that I did do that. These other guys are not being given that option. So you so did the right. The so what I'm seeing as, is
0: what you you did the right thing for what you wanted to do, and and I would yes. think that John Jones and Masvidal, instead of being in the position that they're in right now, they should have done what you did. But now you're saying, I guess that so they're not giving them that but option. That option's off the they're, table. They're,
1: they're they're not giving them the option because they are because because they are so good. That's why. So the UFC didn't know if I was going to be good or not. They didn't know I was going to beat Nadia. They didn't know these things. So they were like, you know what? Let's give them the four. Let's see what happens. See what you know. We'll go from there with masvidal they already know he's a star right now the other thing as well is they re-up you when you fight someone like a nate diaz okay john jones they re-up him as many times as they can because every time he fights and defends his title it gets i want to say it gets increased three more fights so it adds another couple fights onto his contract every time he defends his title because they don't want the champion to live leave right so but with masvidal he – every time they give you a big money fight like they did with the Nick Diaz fight and the, BF, the BMF belt right, and all right. this other stuff, that automatically will re-up your contract. Not because the BMF title shot, but it's like, look, we just gave you a huge fight. The UFC paid them a, paid them a ton of money. And now they're like, look, we want to return on our investment like you're talking about. And the return on the investment is you're going to sign this long-term deal. And the long-term deal is this. And so – I, the at all part i feel like it's because he's been in the game for 16 years he yeah. wants to finally start seeing the real money roll in he's got a little taste of it with the nate diaz yeah, thing i agree with that i mean i understand i understand the argument with dana and him i get dana's side there's no doubt about it i understand dana's side the john jones part of it i don't get and i'm not a john jones fan i never right. have been um from the from the you know all the other stuff that was in, went on outside the cage, as well as you know the the abuse of steroids or whatever dick pills, whatever you want to call it. I've no, I've never been a John Jones fan, but I understand John Jones' argument right now. I'm tired of beating these guys at at 205 because I'm get, I'm getting I'm losing my motivation and I'm also looking bad while I'm doing it now. You know, and he hasn't looked good his last couple of fights. He should have lost right. to Dominic Reyes. I think a lot of people have said I so thought yeah, I he lost Santos to wasn't a great fight. I thought he lost to Santos. I thought he lost. to Santos, him. people need to remember Santos he was hurt. on one knee yeah. after first after the first round. Yeah. So there's no way. I I think that his his lack of motivation, or maybe maybe it's his lack of you know maybe he was maybe it's lack of not using PEDs. Who knows? But I think it's a lack of motivation. Okay. I think his motivation to fight guys that he knows or thinks he can beat, uh, pretty easily is is being shown in the cage. His his desire to fight. Uh, and Ganu is someone that nobody else wants to fucking fight. So why not pay him more? Why not? I mean, if he's making five grand, five million a fight, pay him another two million. Pay whatever. I, pay him another three. Who gives a shit? You're telling me on your profit margins, right? Now I get it. They four point four billion. I all whatever. Imagine it is, being in debt company, $4 billion
0: and, and a big way you're getting that money back is live events, and then all of a sudden you lose live events. Like imagine that stress. Like that's gotta no, be crazy.
1: I do understand that, but there has been an uptick in pay-per-view buys. There has been an uptick uh, uptick in viewership as well. So either either tell him, say him like I mean, you can sit him down. I think I think in a situation in which he is, he's in, he Dana should have had a relationship with him already good enough to say, hey. We're gonna sit you down. We're gonna have you on. Maybe we'll put you on regular TV. Maybe we won't. Whatever money comes in based off of viewership, we'll pay you off of that. I don't know if you recall, but um when Kane when Kane fought um Dos Santos in his first fight when he lost.
0: You have seen Fox. Uh,
1: he had hurt he had hurt his knee the week before. He hurt mm-hmm. his knee the week before. And they they told him, like, look, we're gonna make it worth your time for Fox. We're gonna we're gonna have you fight. If you're okay with fighting, he said, Yeah we will pay you your your pay-per-view numbers on regular tv so what did they end up getting i want to say they end up getting like 9 million views it was some astronomical amount of viewership for that show it was fucking insane yeah, and that. it was only one fight on that show remember the whole yep. fight was like 19 seconds yeah but it was some astronomical amount of view and i want to say he was making like a little bit over 2 dollars per pay-per-view buy so if you're making if it was a 9 million dollar view or 6. point, i think it was like 6 or 9 i can't remember he made probably 12 or 13 million dollars off that. That was just based off the viewership. That wasn't even his, his pay. I want to say his pay was like five or 750,000. That's fucking insane. You, I think you sat John Jones down and said, Look, let's do something like this for one fight, whatever. Ingano fight, let's make it a start. It's not for a title. So, Big John McCarthy and I talk about this all the time on our show, weighing in. We're talking about, like, hey, if you're going to do something like this, it's got to be a title shot. But here's the thing. You got to keep Engano busy as well. This poor guy's been waiting on the sideline for DC and A to fight forever. So yeah. let the guy get the fight in. Let let him let let him. Let's sell the hype train. Let's get it going, bud. Let's get this thing. We haven't had fights, but let's get the the cash money fights going. I see Dana side on the Mozzadol thing. And I'm a huge Mozzadol fan. Loving yeah. been been fans of his since you know back in the day, force days. Yep. But to see, but to but to, the John Jones part. And like I said, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of John Jones. But I see John's argument. I'm going up to heavyweight. I'm taking a huge chance. My motivation at 205 is I'm done. I'm bored. I'm bored beating these guys. Knowing I could beat him. He hasn't looked the same. Let's do something that sparks his interest. I come from I seriously came. I'm one of those guys that if you're if the guy that they put in front of me didn't motivate me, I would kind of fight to that level. And I didn't really train hard. I'd go to the clubs. You know, I'd be out doing like things like that. Mm Mm-hmm. When you put someone in front of me that motivated me, look at the way I fought Gil. Look at the way I fought Nate. Look at the way I fought guys that motivated me. Yeah. I fought them completely different than the way that I fought other guys because there's the, the focus is there. I don't see any focus right now on John Jones. I don't see it. Ngannou's yeah. going to bring that focus out on him. Yeah, Dana's right. got to find a way to, to, to make some adjustments with John Jones and, and to, for that fight to happen. Because otherwise, no no one's really paying attention. Like, I think people have lost interest in John Jones because 100%. he makes it, he makes it look so easy. And not only does he make it look easy, now it's starting to look Bad. boring yeah. because he's fighting conservative. I'm just get, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not getting hit. These guys are too slow. They're not long enough. Whatever the deal is, he's just you could tell there's either a lack of motivation or just something physical physically is just not going on with him right now. Where he just doesn't want to. He's not putting out. The output's not there. I think it's the motivation. I think if you put him in the cage with Nganu, you're going to see a uh, reinvigorated John Jones, and you're going to see the old flashy one that does things that he, didn't, that he hasn't been doing for the last four or five fights. Yeah. And that, that's scary to think. I want to see the spinning elbows again. I want to see the takedowns. I want to see the foot sweeps. I want to see all those things that we know John Jones can bring. The problem is, though, is he has no motivation to do it. And I think the argument with Dana White is, this, how is this your champion for so damn long? But yet you guys are are having fucking media beefs. Are you kidding
0: me? But that's the question you know, that goes so, both ways. So my, maybe it's my ignorance on the details because I don't know the details and I, and I can't obviously argue uh, the facts here. But John Jones, this is not his first contract. He, he's had multiple contracts with UFC. Yeah, he knows how it goes. He, he knows how it works. Why did he sign this new contract then? That that's the question. It's,
1: it's not it's not signing a new contract. It's. It, it, his contract extends every – sure, he'll get a new contract. But his contract extends every three fights or every time he defends his title. It keeps, it keeps continuing to extend. So, so no he matter didn't have what, a choice to not sure, go Gary, with the new
0: deal that Dana said is what you're
1: saying. Yeah, but, he, but he's not talking about the deal that he had. To fight the guy that he's fighting, he's fine with that money.
0: So, they, they, so fight- they basically made the deal, and then the Ngannou thing came up, and that's when John was like, yes. whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a fucking huge fight.
1: Yes, it is. And it is a huge it, fight. I'll, so, I'll give you that so, so to, to approach it like John like John McCarthy's approaching it it's a it's a big fight yeah and for it and for it to be a big fight let's negotiate that fight outside your deal and come back now i Dana' has been on the record to say like look it's a hard sell to sell like to say that I, I need the gate money you know and i understand that but there has been an uptick in viewership and there has been an uptick in pay-per-view buys and things like that. But like uh, the, the Connor gate is what? 18, 19 million dollars. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the John Jones gates are probably, I'd say around eight to nine to maybe even 10 million, something like that. Maybe they're less, maybe they're more. I don't know, but I, that's something I don't know. But in that area, that, that right there would probably pay for at least John Jones. And then the rest of it can go through pay-per-view buys and, and money that came in from endorsements and sponsors and things like that. I understand that. I do get that. Um, but in John Jones' argument, right, and when you're talking about like though the 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 NFL and they do like a three and six five and six year deal and things like that, have you noticed in the NFL, players have started gambling on themselves and doing one one year deals Mm-mm. or two like oh, I'm gonna do a one year deal. You pay me the you pay me the whatever the deal going rate is for for my position at this, um and I'm gonna do a one year deal. I'm gonna bank on myself. The UFC doesn't allow that. You have to oh, do wow. a four fight deal or a six fight deal, eight fight deal, whatever it is. Now, you're saying, for me, defending John Jones again, is yeah. if 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 I was going to take a tight end yeah. that's making tight end money and I'm going to put him to receiver, he's basically a receiver already. But there's a difference in pay. And the pay is so drastic. Like uh, Jimmy Graham wanted to be paid like a receiver when he was with the Saints. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, you're a tight end. We're not going to pay you like a receiver. Even though he was the best fucking tight end in the game. And he was catching more balls than all the other receivers on the Saints. They said, no, you're a tight end. We're going to pay you tight end money. Sure, we're going to pay you high end tight end money. But you're still a tight end. John Jones is going through that position right now. He is a 205 pounder going to heavyweight fighting a fucking scary, scary guy, Francis Ngannou. And you want to still pay me 205 money. That does that's not gonna work, man. That's not gonna work. I need to get paid this for this fight. Mm-hmm. If he stay who I honestly believe if he beats Nganu, he'll stay at heavyweight. He ain't coming back down. Um Winklejohn even said if he goes to, to heavyweight, there's no reason for him to come back down. Well, especially and if he I beats Ngananu. I mean, Jesus,
0: who else would you be worried about <laughs> I mean, after that?
1: I mean, like Steep 8 poses a little bit of a threat, but not much. Not after DC not beats him though. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't think I don't think there's a really I is the real the real threat there. Yeah. J- John the one Jones punch got knockout better wrestling. Power. John Jones' wrestling is good enough to take down Derek Lewis, Volkov, um all the other guys that are fighting in that weight class. John's got better wrestling. He can take them all down, put them on their back and they're like turtles. Yeah. You know? And so um Wrestling wise, it was only DC that I think had the ability to take him down. And even he struggled, extremely yeah. struggled to get the takedown because of the, the the length and the the height of John Jones. My point is, is John Jones is trying to do something in going up to weight and going up to heavyweight to fight the scariest guy in the heavyweight division. You gotta tip him. You gotta tip him some more money, man. You gotta give him. You gotta give him some more. But money. But the thing is, he doesn't have
0: to. So that's the thing. Like, what does no, John right. Jones do? You're
1: right. He doesn't have to. And John and John also doesn't have to go to heavyweight and fight that fight.
0: What do you think is so going to happen? Do you think he's going to yeah, settle I mean, that, and, and just make the, his normal money and just to get paid that kind of money after yeah. this whole like lo- this stall and out? Or do you think he's going to – who do you think is going to cave in, honestly?
1: You're, no, no I, I, th- I think that John is going to – John's probably financially oh, – I think I would imagine he's financially okay. He's living in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I mean – Things don't cost that much. That care. extra $5 million so, that's a lot
0: of extra you know, money, dude.
1: If he's making $5 million a fight, shit, he can retire now. He's fucking living live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, he'll be fine. <laughs> um, I, this is what I think happens. I think he stays at 205. I think he's vacated. He sounds like he's vacated the title. <clears throat> and he'll just fight whoever at 205 and just walk through these guys and be like, hey, whatever. And he, I think he'll have lazy, boring performances. And when his contract is up, he will just move on
0: It's he'll tough, go somewhere man. else. I mean, it's tough because, you know, that, that's from his standpoint. And then from the UFC standpoint, they, they especially in this no audience having no live gate having era that we're in right now with, with coronavirus, they kind of need that John Jones and Ganu fight. Because to be honest with you, I'm with you hundred percent on John Jones. I'm not that interested in him fighting anymore. Like I'm really not, I, I really yeah. don't look forward to a John Jones fight. If he's not oh. fighting DC, uh, I'm not that interested now. And GANU is one guy that I'm very interested in seeing him fight because now now you're looking at a John Jones that has to show up like the old John Jones. And if he shows up like he showed up against Santos and and Reyes and all this stuff, he's going to get knocked out or could get knocked out, and it could be brutal. And then you can see a, a champion who's never been beat absolutely just flattened. So it's like that's a fight that's interesting to everybody. So on the UFC side, it's like, they might have to cave in, too, because they need that fight, I think, especially with Connor, you know, running now and, and Khabib's tied up. And, you know, we got DC and Stipe. But, like, other than that, it's like they kind of need that fight. So it's like it's weird how this is going to end. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see how they, they, they make this happen because.
1: Well, here's the thing. You, you just lost the only guy that I really cared to see fight at, at 125 and 135 is Henry Cejudo. Um, you just That's lost right. him. So he's mm-hmm. gone. He's retired, vacated, basically vacated both titles. Yeah. Um. He's gone. Um. Who's the other guy that just retired? Someone else just retired. Oh. Uh, uh, who was it? So, so so Henry retired. So Henry retired. Then you have uh, uh, what's it called? Khabib's gonna fight sometime in September, but you have that weight class now is on hold for a little bit, uh, because that fight's not gonna happen until September. Um. Who else do you have? You have John Jones. Basically vacating the title mm-hmm. and Connor's gone, I don't want us I don't I don't want to see a lackluster performance by him, which is what we're gonna continue to see, even if he's not champion or is champion, whatever he doesn't care. I think he's gonna fight out his contract. If he just signed a new contract and deal, he'll just fight it out and I think he'll bounce. Um <clears throat> Mazadal, I think um I think with Mazadal, they'll get it worked out with him. Yeah. I think they'll figure out a way to get it worked out with him. That's Masvidal's what I, my want am money. On that.
0: He's gonna want the money. I mean Mazdaal is in a situation where I'm with you about the Dana part on that. Like, like, like is in a situation where he's not the highest ranked guy, but he's a draw. Yeah. And so, yeah. he, and, and he wants to make the money. So I just feel like that's going to get worked out. I don't know. Like I said about yeah. John Jones, because he's got so much money and he's, he's obviously made so much and done so much, but I think and is doing great too. I love Masvidal, but I, I think that's going to get worked out. I think he's going to come back and, 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 and they're going to do some kind of settlement there and, and get him a fight.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to think though you have a lot of uncertainty right now amongst that whole promotion with all their title holders. You know, I mean, um, you've you've got at one at one twenty five is vacant, which they're fighting. Uh, Benavidez is fighting for the title here mm. again coming up. Um, that's that's as much as I'm a uh, Benavidez fan, it's one of those fights. That if, uh, one of those fights that I feel like that they're shoving down people's you know, throats. And and fans are like, eh.
0: And Aldo you know I mean? and Jan's fighting. And, and like Jan is a fucking badass fighter, but not a lot of people know who he is. No, no one knows power. who he
1: is. And when we're having this, yeah, when we're having this conversation, everyone's like, oh, well, he's fighting Jose Aldo. Look, the reason why he's fighting Jose Aldo for the title is because no one knows who Peter Jan is. And they need some name recognition with that. Yeah. Like, do I think maybe Mariah should have got the fight? Yeah. Do I think maybe Sterling should get the fight? Yeah. But if you put those two guys for a title shot, no one's going to give a fuck. Mm. No one's going to care. They're going to click on that and be like, who, who are these guys again? Huh? I think if Peter beats Jose, it adds more name recognition to him. Look at how much Max Holloway catapulted into the prime time after he beat Jose Aldo.
0: Yeah, it's huge.
1: It's true. Like Everyone's like, oh man, Max is like the greatest of all time in that weight class. Da, 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 da. Whether he is or not, that's irrelevant. But they used Jose Aldo as someone for him to go on. Same way with Conor McGregor. Yeah. Sure, Conor had the star power, but he also had a whole country behind him. Yeah. Okay, that's that's a big difference. Like I've said this before, Biz being Dan Hardy had whole countries behind them. Okay, GSP whole country behind them. These people from other countries, their whole country supports them because they haven't had champions in those eras. Now that they have, yeah, those countries support them. Beating someone like Jose Aldo. Made Connor's star power go up. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Max. Hawaii. Boom! Max Holloway fighting for the title against the fucking legend, Jose Aldo. Then he beats him twice. Catapults him into stardom. That's all they're looking for. Peter Jan to beat Jose Aldo to catapult him into stardom. When Peter Yan becomes champion, if he does become champion, which I think he's got a tough task in front of him, if he becomes champion, then you, then you have him fight Sterling. Okay, this is going to be a good fight. Everyone knows who Peter Yan is now. He's the champion. Right. Now we can have these guys fight. Now we don't have to worry about just having Jose Aldo fight if we need him to. That's the way this promotion game works, man. People need to to, to realize that and understand. Dana's not fucking stupid. Dana's mm-hmm. been in the game a long time, man. He's there's a lot of there's been a lot of learning lessons along the way. The reason why these champions get extended every every time they fight is cuz BJ Penn fought Matt Hughes beat him choked him out and then left and started his own promotion and became a star you know beat Gomi beat Henzo, beat Rodrigo Gracie all in his own promotion mm-hmm. he could have done that in the UFC nope you didn't want to pay him so he bounced that's why now they're doing these contracts the way they're doing them give me a six fight deal give me an eight fight deal I want to say rich Franklin signed like the longest term deal in the in history of like a 10 fight deal when he right before he fought Ken Shamrock. You know, and then if you notice, when you sign those long term deals, they put a lot of money and effort into you as long as you keep winning. And that's what they did with Rich Franklin, you know. And so the history of the sport, Dana has helped develop, but it's also the learning curves. He's he's been around from these fighters trying to stick it to him it is shaped the way that he treats fighters now. And, and, and it's warranted. Honestly, it's warranted by him. And I understand and I'm not a Dana fan. In no way am I a Dana fan. Okay, but I got it. You gotta respect what he's been doing. I mean, he's taken the ground. He's taken the the promotion. Well, Lorenzo as well. Lorenzo and Frank uh, definitely played a huge, huge part. You know, 100%. But Dana's done a good job. He's done a good job in doing in in promoting the organization and getting these guys to be stars. But it's still all about the UFC. It's not about them. And so when you think that the promotion you're bigger than the promotion is when they can just tell you to sit your ass down and um. And just take what we give you. And that's kind of what they're going to do to Masvidal. They're going to stick it to them. Like, if you don't want to fight, cool. Yeah. You don't have to fucking fight. We're good with that. You know, that's why I tip my hat to Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz. They come in. They make their money. They bounce out for a year. And they come back, make their money. They bounce out for a year. I mean, that's what they do. They're brilliant at it. They're fucking – they're gangster. But they still sh- – you want to know why that, that works for them? Is they still show up to Little League shows – They still show up to other like you know to UFC shows and they go around and shake hands. They're fucking two of the nicest guys. As much as probably Nate doesn't like me or whatever, but it's like they're still the two of the nicest guys when you see them at events. Yeah. They're extremely nice, man. They stay relevant. And they, they know what they're doing. They're building their brand every time. When the camera flips on them and they light up, they stoke up a blunt. Brilliant. Brilliant marketing from those two guys. You know, and so. When the UFC says, hey, you know what? We might have a fight for you. They pick and choose their fights, and they they negotiate their money. That's I mean, that, that's kind of what I was talking about with the NFL, when those players, Darrell Revis, played for the Pats, I want to say one or two years. Came in, won a Super Bowl, decided to sign, I think, for another year. Came back, lost Super Bowl, and then bounced. I was like, all right, cool. My stock went up. I got a Super Bowl ring out of it. Okay. That's one year deals for for NFL players. Yeah. UFC doesn't allow you to do that. Six and eight fight deals. They try to get you to. I think the lowest is a four fight deal, but I think guys like Masvidal, where they're paying them a ton of money. Nah, nah, we need to get you to a six and eight fight deal. He'll be there for a long time. Masvidal ain't going nowhere. Yeah. Like after the Nate Diaz thing, he's done. Like he'll be there for another three years. Yeah. You know, or he'll retire there. They, but John Jones is different. If you vacate, I don't know how many more fights you have left on your thing. He could fight out his title, he could fight out his contract and bounce out
0: yeah, I, I think long story short for me, like, like I guess my my overall take on the whole thing is like from a business standpoint alone, just a business standpoint, Lorenzo Frank and Dana are geniuses at building business. They built a genius company and and they did to make their company successful what every major business that that has gotten to that level and, and higher mm-hmm. did to build their business now, I think where things change is their business was uh, staffed by uh, staff that turned into celebrities and had uh, media behind them and had a uh, voice and had uh, opinions and, and became superstar celebrity fighters. And I think that's the, the only difference between someone or a business like the UFC and these other businesses you hear about. And you don't hear the downside because they, the, their staff doesn't have the voice that, that, that UFC does. And they got there the same way. You know, They built a great business model and then they sold for $4 billion, whatever the case. Um, so it's like, kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, you know, like as far as the fighters, I'm always for the fighters, but I also see things from a business standpoint. So I like getting opinions from people like you and from other people just to, you know, just to hear what other people have to say, because I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm neutral. Like I said, I'm a company guy, but I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a team guy and I'm a fighter guy. I'm everybody. You know what I mean? I'm just not a controversial guy and a political guy. And, you know, I don't, I don't like to get into controversy too deep, but, you know, I just kind of have my stance and see things from all sides and, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, with, with the Jones and with Masvidal and with even Nate and Nick, what they do when they come back and who they fight and how they work that out. Um, but yeah, it, it's going I, to be interesting.
1: I see here. I under I like I own I own a couple of businesses. I own two gyms. I own a fitness gym. I own a martial arts gym. I own a, a clothing line. I own all these little these little. I do a podcast, and this costs money as well. You yep, know, yep. Um, I understand this. I have employees that work for me in my in in my clothing line warehouse. I have employees that work for me at my gyms. And what they do is they see, uh, oh, the gym's packed. Oh, you must be raking in. No, no, you're not. And I understand the UFC's point of view on this situation. I get it. But when you're talking about, when you look at their profit margins, if I was to actually show my employees, this is what I actually profit every year, they'd be like, oh, wow. Okay. It's different. The UFC, you show what they profit every year. And and the fighters would be like, "Oh, bro, you guys are fucking making it. You guys are buying islands. You guys are doing this. You guys are doing that." I understand the promotion side of it, but when you're talking actual, when you're talking for a real sport, if you want to be considered the biggest sport in, in the biggest promotion in the world, which to me I feel like they are, yeah. you know, which they are. And there's you can't deny that. Like they are the biggest fight promotion right now in the world. But the thing is, is they they are making so much money. That the fighters now, because it becomes such public record, fighters now are like, look, why are we not getting a bigger sc- cut of the pie? It's now becoming it's gonna become a problem. When you got guys like Henry leaving, you got guys like um Mazadal wanting more money, John Jones wanting more money, there was somebody else in that mix that wanted more money as well. I mean, there's there's a group of guys that want more money, and these are your champions. These are your champions that are arguing with you, that are if these guys were to take us to GSP, I never complained about money, but you could always tell that there was something going on with him that he wasn't comfortable with the sport, you know. And um, and there was there was either was re- reflection between him and Dana or him and the, him and management or whatever it was. There was something going on. There's something in this mix where fighters I think are going to start to get a little bit more uh, hostile, and they're just you yeah. may end up seeing like this is a classic example. Nate came out and said, like, this is exactly what's wrong with the sport is you have a guy like Usman mm-hmm. and you have other Just fighters like that. that are that, that want more money to fight for the for the title or fight someone, you know, of a upper caliber. But their contract was done two years ago and that money is old now. Like it's it's you know, the I, I've made my way up from I was ranked 11. Now I'm ranked number three and I'm fighting the best guys in the world and I'm still making pennies on the dollar. That's the concern with a six fight deal and an eight fight deal you know the the problem though is that as a as a fighter um are not a problem, but the thing with the the promotion is they won't start promoting you until you do sign a six and eight fight deal because they know they've got you hooked on lower money. And now I can catapult you in. And if you do succeed, I'm paying you pennies on the dollar and you won't be able to renegotiate until you fight out that contract. So I'm going to have you fight the best guys for no money. And then when you lose, I'm going to start saying, hey, well, you lost. I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to pay you this amount of money or less than that. And that's not, that's not fair either. I so just... that's, the con- that's the thing. When, you're, when the iron's hot, you got to strike. And I think Mazadal's doing the right thing in his argument. But the problem is, is you just got paid a ton of money to fight Nate, yeah, because it was a draw. Right. You can't turn now if he was to turn and fight Colby Covington, given the animosity and the ATT thing and all that stuff. So I could, I honestly had no desire to see him fight Usman. I had none. Yeah. But if he was to fight Colby Covington, I'm sorry, man, but I'm fucking tuning in. Yeah. Between Colby and him, that fucking fight right there, I think, I think that fight right there does the same. I want to see Tyron fight him too.
0: What's that? I want to see Tyron fight him too.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's another one. Exactly. Tyron Woodley and him and Colby. But that that fight, I think I would tune in every single time to watch that fight. And I would pay my $85, $75 or whatever it is for the pay-per-view. I would pay that money to see that fight. I don't know why they haven't tried to put that fight together. I don't know which side's balking on it. But that's a fight that I want to see. I, now, I think that that fight has the potential to make more money or do the same amount of numbers, if not more. Than the uh, Nate and Masvidal fight, you know Nate's a huge draw. Colby not maybe not being a draw, maybe he is. A, I think he is a huge draw. It's yeah, just a matter sure. that people want to see him more to lose than they do. They want to see him to yeah. win. Um, but th- that fight to me makes a lot of sense. And um, the Woodley fight. Here's the thing: as much as I like Tyron Woodley, he, he he just he has a hard time connecting with fans. You know, and he I, I love the guy. He's absolutely fucking probably one of the best guys in the sport. He's Phenomenal a, person. He's An
0: awesome guy. Great,
1: yeah. great guy. But he has a hard time connecting with fans. He has a hard time connecting with pay-per-view buyers. And so that fight, the Colby and the, and the uh, Woodley fight, I don't think, I don't think it's going to be a big draw. It won't be as big as the Mazadal and Colby and fight. And, I don't, and if Masvidal wants to get paid good money, he needs to try to get that fight. The Usman fight, I don't think people cared. They're like, yeah, You know, I think the Burns and the Usman fight has a little bit more draw to it because they both train at the same gym.
0: Oh, really? I didn't even know that.
1: Yeah, they both train at the same gym. I so
0: they were, they were
1: both in both. Oh, three, right. Six, that's right. That's right. I remember oh. that now
0: because I remember when they were talking about Gilbert when he was fighting Woodley, they said that if he got a chance to fight for the title, he would fight Usman. So, yeah, I do remember that actually now. But yeah. going, going back really fast just on, on what we were talking about uh, just previously, um, I agree. You know, I, I think it all comes down to leverage, and I think certain fighters like Connor have proven that with the right leverage, you can get your way with the UFC and get big deals. That I agree with or I understand. Um, the problem – that, that, that i think the fighters are unfortunately in right now is like i said before the ufc is not the same ufc it was before so i don't think they can do what they could do before obviously when they were you know about to sell for four billion dollars there's probably a hell of a lot of money in their bank accounts you know what i mean yeah. so if they had to make a fight like in Ghanu versus jones eh, they probably didn't want to pay a certain amount of money but they'd be like fuck it let's just do it and we'll get the fight out there now i think there's a lot more pressure so it's like these these guys that are gaining leverage like masvidal jones has got major leverage and some of these other guys they may have the most leverage ever of any of the guys that's went against the ufc in the past but they're against a new ufc a ufc that's not lorenzo frank and dana it's 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 a dana obviously but it's a a ufc that's owned by wme and that they purchased for a lot of money they have to make that money back and that changes the the that changes everything so that's where the ufc can just simply say we just are not going to do it. And, and so it's, that's why I said it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But that's the dynamic I think yeah. that I want to get across that changed that I think a lot of people don't understand. I don't think Masvidal really stopped to think that he's, he's battling against a different UFC and they may not. I, I think they're still stuck on the fact when they see us sell like that, that the, the company just has so much money. But in reality, well, the company that they are now lost that much money. Not They didn't have that much money. The, the people who no, took that money are, are Frank and Lorenzo, who are not a part of the UFC anymore, and Dana on you know, as the president when they made that sell. Well, that's that's not really true either. And the only reason why I'm saying that is because the new UFC,
1: the people that own the UFC now, paid Masvidal a lot of money to fight Nate Diaz. So that's why he thinks he can continue to get that money. What he doesn't know, or maybe he does know and just doesn't give a shit or doesn't care, is that – the company that did buy the UFC, they ended up buying a bunch of other live event stuff like concerts and live venue stuff. Guess what? No live events are going on until yeah. 2021 they got, they got like, you know where fans will be in and crowds and concerts and all that stuff. It's just not happening. Right. Worldwide, it's not happening. And so the fact that all that is not happening worldwide, that's why – that's why this company, the UFC, who is owned by this bigger company that is that put all this money in banking, and the fact that they like companies like Stagecoach, um, what's the other one, Coachella, uh, EDC, all those type of events that bring in crowds and bring in money and bring in you know all these all these dollars and all these revenue dollars, those they're they're non-existent right now. Right. And so that that's what they were banking on to feed all their to feed all their 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 other outlets. Right. Money. Well, those, those things are not making money right now. They, no. and they won't be making any money until next year. And so the fact that they actually took out some astronomical amount of loan just recently just to pay the monthly payments on their $4.4 billion, $4. 4 billion purchase of the UFC, that lets you know that they're struggling a little bit. And they, but I wouldn't say they're going to go away. I think they're going to be fine. Yeah. But I do understand why they're not paying these guys more money because they are they are financially they are hurting. I think. That was just and my then point. And having, you know? having to fight these guys because they're under contract and you have to fight them in a certain amount of time, um, otherwise you have to pay them for no fights.
0: And what do you so think about it, what do you think about the the fact that I think that also there is some. I heard some fans backlash on it a little bit uh, that had not necessarily the UFC side, but the, I guess just the side of uh, the situation. But a lot of this came out post-COVID. So it's like when people are losing their jobs, not making money, uh, you know, losing their businesses, and, and everything's going to shit financially, this is kind of when Jones and Masvidal came out and all of a sudden demanded all this this much more money. And I think that may have left a sour taste in certain people's uh, minds just because it's like, look, I lost my business. You know, I mean, you're trying to get more money now. It's like you got to understand everybody loses money because of this thing. Now, everyone's going to have to make a little bit less money until we recover and get back on our feet. And now you're demanding, you know, much more than you've ever made before the COVID. So I think that also has a little bit to play in there as well. In my opinion, I don't know. Like, there's just a lot of factors to think about.
1: John McCarthy and I talked about this as well, and I do see your point. But like I said, in the free market industry, and it's very unfortunate, but like if the UFC was to fold, there's other promotions that will pick it up, you know, and then there'll be other promotions that will start. Sure, maybe they won't have the star power that all comes right off the bat, but it'll eventually happen. Those fighters are going to go somewhere, you know, and to think that like, oh, without the UFC, we won't make it. That's bullshit. These fighters will make it somewhere else and people will tune in. And to think, like, oh, it won't be the same. You're right; it won't be the same. It may end up being, it may end up being worse. It may end up being a lot better. You never know. Like that's the, that's the thing. You don't know. We're we're just guessing what would happen. But if the UFC was to fold, the UFC would fold. You know, and another show and another what, promotion would step up and try to be the best.
0: But can those promotions take 500 plus fighters right now? How many fighters are going to well, be out of work?
1: The, but here's the thing. I think promotions like one and promotions like Bellator would take the top tier guys. All the other guys that were below would end up going to PFL. And I think other organizations would start up. Okay. Ryzen, I think Ryzen would take a lot of the the smaller guys because that's what they bank on, you know, and they would they would have those they would have the smaller guy events. You know, um they've got a ton of small athletes there already. Um one would be very similar to that as well. They would try to get a lot of the smaller talent. Um, Bellator and uh, Bellator and one would probably maybe but one I think would start to try to build a bigger uh, the, some of the bigger uh, weight classes as well, given that they know they have pocket they they have deep pockets somehow some way they have deep pocket pockets you know and that that's that's the only thing when we're talking when you're talking to me about will these guys be able to get paid I think they will now here's the other thing. No one ever said that they had to go there and stay there. Fighters can go there, and if the, if the promotion folds, they fold and they go somewhere else. Right. This, this, it's no—that's that's the reality of the free market industry. Like they can figure it out, I, especially if you have some sort of name. Okay, so when Pride sold to the UFC, the UFC cherry picked the people that they wanted, and they just let the rest of them go. And then on the back burner of the, letting the rest of them go, Strikeforce picked them up, and then ended up building one of the biggest heavyweight divisions in the world you know, at the time. Yeah. So when you're talking about in terms of like, these guys will find places to go, you know, and, and that relationship that they built when, they, when the pride guys left, Kara ended up coming. He, now he's worked, he was in strike force and now he's in, now he's in the, in Bellator. Like the relationships they build along the way will eventually follow them wherever they go. You yeah. know, and when you look at me, I fought in strike force, fought in pride, fought in dream, fought back fought and, you know, in the UFC. <laughs> and now I fought for Bellator and now, and I worked for one, my relationships have developed me to get to certain places all around the world. Um, you know, so it's, it really just comes down to the top guys that will always find a place to go there. People, the promotions will find money for them. It will happen. And you got to think though, too, if they go, that means that whoever was their fans, those people will end up following them to whatever promotion they go to. Because all of a sudden now their social media will be blown up with, Oh, I'm at Bellator. Oh, I'm at one. Oh, I'm at Ryzen, Oh, I'm here. That's what's gonna happen. I think Ryzen has a better chance of outgrowing um, one only because of the relationship they have with Bellator. Anytime you do cross promotion fights, yeah, they do. You're starting to develop a oh, who is the best? Who is, who has the best fighters? That's what you're. That's what fans really want to see. And when you're open to those type of fights, that will eventually lead into um a bigger promotion type si- setting mm-hmm. the reason why the why the reason why the UFC doesn't have to do it is because they've been around the longest and they are the bigger promotion they don't need to do that Bellator needs to do that right now with Ryzen Ryzen needs to do it right now with Bellator Bellator is a, I feel like is a lot bigger than Ryzen but they also have a great working relationship Scott Coker and um Saki Gabara and The two promotions have a long-lasting relationship from back in the K-1 days when Scott Coker used to promote K-1 USA Mm -hmm. and was always around for K-1 Japan. The relationships have been there. And so for Bellator and Ryzen working together, I think it's going to help catapult the sport into more cross promotions. One, I think, has somehow, some way they have deep pockets, but they also do do their, their athletes right. They pay them the best they can. If they can't pay them the best they can, they try to get them jobs and teaching jobs, whether it's at Evolve or they find ways to make sure that they can take care of themselves, which is very. It's, I think it's a great job by 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 one. Um, the the U F, like I said, the U F. This whole conversation started with the UFC, and if it, if if Bellator could pay or other prom- promotions could pay John Jones what they want, if they if they come, they're gonna bring the fans with them, whether it's Masvidal, whether it's Nate, whether it's Nick, so. Maybe their first contract will be what they're making or a little bit less to see what their real draw is when they first come. But I think on that back end, how you remember how you guys used to get like $25,000 bonuses in the back, you know, for Mm -hmm. this or for that fight, whatever it was by the UFC. On the back end, I could see things like that happening. Like, hey, tonight the crowd was sold out. We sold out in what? Minutes? We sold out in, in a week? Whatever it is. The viewership was at an all-time high. Here, here's another two. You know, here's another half million dollars in the back end. You know, for for bringing your fans over for promoting. Those are things that I think in the beginning you have to work out. But I think that the deals can be definitely done, especially when you talk when you're talking about CBS, Showtime, Viacom, and I'm I'm always speaking right now with for Bellator because right. I get that type of that type of unity between those three those three companies, CBS, Showtime, and Viacom. They're worth a lot more than the UFC is a lot more. It's not even a little bit more. It's a lot more. It's just name so recognition.
0: I think right now, I mean, the UFC is the yeah, head, head of the curve on that. And, and obviously the, the model,
1: if, if it does, it, they, they've they already said that, you know, Bellator will eventually go to, to a CBS and Showtime slash Paramount, whatever it is, you know, network, uh, networking system, CBS sports. When that all does happen, they're going to be on live TV all the time. It won't be shitty cards; it'll be good cards. Remember how Force back in the day was on Showtime? It was like all the best fights went there. And what were you paying an extra ten dollars a month to get all those? Mm-hmm. We didn't have pay per views back then. Strikeforce didn't have pay per views. Okay. And now they mm-hmm. now that they're becoming more worldwide, we have a whole UK series, which I'm the head analyst for on that side. And then we have the US series, you know. And then we're I do know that there has been talks of them branching out across the world. You know, I don't know where's next. What what is next? But it's out there it's out there and, and there there's there is talks of where they're going to be going next in other countries so to think that they're not going to grow you know with the stars that they have now it's just absolutely absurd and if any of those stars did leave the ufc whether it's john jones mazadol nick nate whatever it is that's only going to bring more uh recognition to
0: to the bellator or we'll to speak. one or to right. pfl or whoever We'll see how that pans out. I mean, I'm interested in myself to see how this pans out, especially with the shows being put on, on Yas Island. They've announced some big cards, obviously, or some big fights for that uh, Fight Island thing. Uh, but going back to you saying all the organizations you've worked for, uh, first and foremost, man, like it's cool seeing you and both of us doing, doing well and, 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 you know, after all these years of training together and where we started and, and kind of like where we were, you know, back in San Jose working in and out jobs and, and, and trying to be fighters and, and and hopefully getting to a point where we're at today. But are you are you completely done fighting like 100%? And was, it may be a silly question. You may have already answered this. I don't know. I, I don't get a, yeah. lot of, a lot of the news. But are you completely done fighting? Is that completely out of the question? And if so, or if not, I guess, what is it that you're looking to do long-term? Like wh- where are you headed? Like wh- where, where's your future? What, what do you want to be doing in five, 10 years from now?
1: Okay, so, so to answer your question, the first one, Absolutely done fighting. Yeah, I have no too. desire to fight at all. I have no desire to go to to. I go to AKA and I just watch these guys get hit, and I'm like, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, I have no, I have
0: no fucking desire. <laughs> I feel you, dude. I'm, like, not, no, I'm not, sparring anymore.
1: Yeah, I don't spar anymore. <laughs> right. um, I do grapple a lot with uh, my students here at my gym. Yeah, uh, I do hold pads for some of the some of the AKA guys, um, mitts and stuff like that to help them with their stuff. S- some of the upcoming guys that are like, you know, on the Dana White Contender Series or whatever that that show is. And then um, I do have some guys that, you know, I train with and work with that um, are in Bellator as well. They train at AKA. I mean, I, I work with a lot of young, talented guys also that are in my gym that are trying to get to, to a bigger show. Uh, but it's just I just do it because I love it. I love seeing what these kids are going through and trying to get to where, yeah. you know, to where I was, you know. And so but no, I have I walk past the cage now when I work for Bellator. I walk past the cage as an analyst and I hear these guys getting hit and I'm like, I have no desire to do it. I just, it just, there's no excitement for me anymore. There's excitement for me to talk about it. So to go into your next question, my next thing is, is, is I want to be an analyst. I want to be an analyst that actually talks more about everything else. I would love to talk about fighting. I I love working next to like Jay Glazer and Shale Sonnen when we do at the desk. Mm -hmm. I also love working cage side, working with big John McCarthy, who is obviously, you know, I have a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, we, the two of us, um, we hit it off from day one, you know, and, um, I've always just known him as a, I'd always just known him as a ref, but as we started to work together and we just sat down and had lunch together and sat down and, you know, just talk fights and talked about opponents and who we'd like to see match up next, you know, in Bellator and, and just getting and digging our, 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 uh, our heels in on like which events and which fighters we would like to work and which events and fighters we'd like to call that fight. Um, we we we've grown to to respect and, and really love talking and working with each other. Um working with Moro again after the strike force days and showtime and all that, and back with him now with Bellator. And then being able to work alongside Goldie. Um Goldie, you know, I yeah, always Goldie called my man. fights in the UFC way back when and also, you know, up until I left the UFC and came over to Bellator. And uh I thought he was a great fucking addition for um for Bellator and 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 I love having Moro there as well. Uh, Moro to me is he'll always be one of my favorites because because of the history of Strike force and just me and the the days that that was and this and that. so um I love our team. Our team is fucking phenomenal when you sit down and you and I'm not just talking about the UFC guys, I'm talking about in general. We have a great group of guys from Jay Glazer. It's just fun to be around just I've known Jay for almost 13, 12, 13 years now um, you know and Chael. You know, Chael is not the person that people see, you know, behind yeah, the mic. the nicest the guy. You see, you know, until you meet and sit down Chael yeah. and Chael and have a cup of coffee with him, uh, he doesn't drink. So it's like if you sit down and have a cup of coffee with him or you sit down and have breakfast with him, fucking phenomenal guy, yep. just absolute, a wonderful person, just yep. a, a wonderful person to heart. Um and Big John is absolutely the same thing, you know. And so my our production team and our um, our group of people that work for Bellator, and I'm not even into the the fight side of those guys, you know, whether it's Scott Coker, Rich, Rich Chow, Mike Kogan, the you know, Cariana, all the that group of people, um, you know, Victoria Gracie, Jordan uh, Jordan, and um, those guys, everybody that works for Bellator to me is like the it's a little bit of the old strike force reunion. With a little bit of new flair and flavor with Chael and Jay and you know Goldie and Big John and but it's fucking fun, man. Yeah, I, of course, I'd love it. I I I said if I if, when I retired I wanted to have something else to do and the gym was taking up all my time and I love it and I love being in the gym and I I still love it to this day. Um, but it, I knew it wasn't my end game. My end game I wasn't going to be happy until I was doing something like this where I'm an where I'm an analyst and i absolutely love it man i love seeing these young young kids 21 22 years old living their dreams and yeah. and being successful at it it's so fun there's this young kid out of uh sweden is it sweden i think it is sweden oliver encamp all sweden or denmark i think it's uh sweden Skin just amazing. fun to watch man like got kind of a little bit of a taekwondo style stand up good grappler long and lanky just fun just fun to watch. You have yeah. good, good guys. And then you have guys like Patricio Pitbull, who to me is probably the most underrated fighter in the whole sport. Yeah, and 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 I, I feel and people are going to criticize me all day long, call me a homer, this and that. But the kid's so damn good. And if you don't think so, talk to Henry Cejudo about how good he is. You know, everyone thinks Henry Cejudo is the, the, the really good. Well, ask Henry how good Patricio is and and how good they've made each other. They're fucking great, man. They're great. The two of those guys. And uh, you know, and a lot of the other guys that are on that roster, guys that are up and coming in Bellator. Um, uh Costello Van Steenis, um, Fabian Edwards, Leon Edwards' brother. Yeah, fucking those two guys just so happen to fight in the same weight class, but those two guys are future stars. Yeah. I just absolutely phenomenal star. They're gonna be stars. Van Stinas trains with Musasi. Uh, you know, Leon, uh Fabian trains with his brother Leon and some of the other guys. MVP's already a star, just need to get him more busy, more active, and also up his, up his uh, caliber of guys. Don't get me wrong. He has fought some guys that were not to the upper echelon, but a lot of guys don't want to fight him. Just being honest. Yeah. It's hard to get fights for guys that don't want to fight him. And the guys that we did get that were good, he made them look horrible. So they're like, oh, those guys are old. They're all washed up. I'm sorry, man. But anytime someone breaks your skull, you're good. You're like, if I break your skull, I'm going to be considered really good. And he does that. And so there's a lot of good guys. And I'm not even mentioning, like uh, Patchy Mix, that kid, out of he trains out of uh, great Jackson's stud man just a stud just takes people back and just can't get them off i mean Juan archuleta we've got so many good guys you know the jimmy show we got Strabanimal, you know you got uh james gallagher he's good as well ricky mendejas really good our 135 pound division is stacked as well we've got young young talented guys and that's what it's going to take to build stars Mm -hmm. we you know coker does this um when he when he had strike force he did this as well he had some fights that looked like they were get, like like uh, show fights, you know. We had the Ken Shamrock hoist fight. We had the Kimbo Ken fight. You know, we had Data Five Thousand and Kimbo. We had fights like that, you know, in the beginning to get people to get eyeballs on us. Mm-hmm. Now those fights, if you notice, have have gone away. Right. You know, they're gone. And now because the younger, talented guys like MVP were able to fight on some of those cards. It's bringing name recognition and notoriety to those guys, and that's all the, that's all those old that's all those older fights were meant for was to bring notoriety to the young talented guys that are on the card. I'm, I'm a product of that exact um, layout and that exact format of what how Coker does it, and now he's just banking on the guys that we have to to continue to build their stardom and i think they will i think they're going to put on great fights and they're going to give their they're going to fight their asses off and especially when when they get onto the cbs or showtime network and they become like household names it's just going to grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger and you're going to see the best fights i really believe bellator will have the most exciting fights um in
0: out of any promotion coming within the next year it's cool man And and you're doing all these things and then your podcast bro like Dude, good job on the podcast, man. I've been following it since the beginning yeah. and you started a little bit before me and then I had like this crazy long break, man. It was like nine months. I didn't do a single episode, dude. We were yeah. so swamped and finally we got the workflow and I got enough staff that we can keep this thing going. Um, I've been doing a ton lately, but uh, good job on your podcast, bro. And, like, and uh, so you, you've built that thing so much. I'm looking at the views now and the, the comments and the, and the podcast itself. It's, it looks like you're having a lot of fun. How is it working with Big John and how is it doing, doing the podcast with him? Y'all well, are a great dynamic. Big, Big Obviously John, it shows.
1: Big John is uh, pushing 75 years old. and what? um, you whoa, know, whoa, 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 stop.
0: <laughs> Wait a minute. But, but, but how old he, is he really? Because now that you mention that, how old is he really? Because he's been there since like UFC, like what, one or two or something? He he was at UFC 1, but he
1: didn't ref. And he started refing, I believe, UFC
0: 3. However old he is. Uh,
1: but he was still working behind the scenes at UFC 1, helping do the rules, helping do whatever it was that they needed to help him do. Yeah. Uh, and so but it's he's phenomenal. You want to yeah. know why he's phenomenal? He's a walking book of knowledge. He's got uh he his mind is just he, I I can't believe he can still remember shit. For me, I get hit a lot and you I haven't that. hit a lot. I don't remember anything anymore. Um but he but the other thing is he gives he gives the fans that we have on our show weighing in, which is what I'm wearing Yep, out, But enough. he gives the fans, he gives the fans a different perspective. Hmm. He gives them the referee and the promotional history of the sport, which I, even though I was with the UFC back in 2000, 2001, 2000, all those years, and I was around it, I didn't know what was going on behind the doors. Right. You know, I just knew the fight part of it, and, and I knew the contract negotiation part of it. I knew all those things dealing with Dana, dealing with Joe, dealing with Sean Shelby. I knew all those things, but guess what? The game has changed, and it's progressively changed, you know, throughout – whether it's Bellator, whether it's UFC, whether it's one, but I've worked for all these organizations at some point in time. You know, I fought for the UFC, fought for Pride, fought for Strikeforce, fought for Dream, fought for uh, worked for One FC as a commentator, mm. worked for Bellator. Now I work for Bellator as a commentary, like uh, doing analyst work. So it's I've been around in every organization and seen how it all works. It's um, it's fun, man. It's great to. Uh, but working with him has definitely been eye-opening because some of the history from when the sport started, he he's definitely um got into and talked to me about and talked to me about. And that's a lot of the conversations that I told you about, like how we became close friends, sitting down, having breakfast together at events that were working shows and just picking his brain, wanting yeah. to know what he thinks. You know, and uh we we definitely have a lot of different opinions, you know, on things, whether it's fights, whether it's um <clears throat> you know wh- stars and athletes and celebrities and all that stuff, you know, politics, we, we have our different views on things, but the one thing that we, we can do, which is what I would love for everyone else to do is to talk about it. Like yeah, you can't course. get anything solved unless you, unless you sit down and have a conversation, you know, like this, Oh, well my team wins is, is bullshit. You know, it's like, Oh, if you don't see my way or, you know, that whole tribalism, my team's better than your team. It's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. You know, um, obviously I am going to favor the Bellator organization cause I work for them. But I also see – like I, I feel like today I gave you a very good unbiased opinion of mm. how Dana is handling things. Yep. And, and I have no I, – whether I like the guy or not, the one thing I can do is speak, um, speak knowledgeably about how I feel like he's doing the best he can in those type of things. Big John has said repeatedly like he has sided with Dana. He's sided with the UFC several times. But he also understands the fighter point of view as mm. well. And he, I think he gets a lot of that from talking to guys like myself, talking to other fighters that he's, that he's worked with, trained with all those things. So when you, when he's not closed minded, he understands and he listens and that's somebody that I need to be around. I, you know, the knowledge that he brings, but it also, I bring the the young even though I'm old, I bring the young part of it all too to him. Like, Hey, well, you know, I remember this and he's like, no, 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 it didn't happen that way. Behind the scenes, it happened this way. Yeah. But from my point of view, from the fighter's point of view, it actually happened like this. He's like, Oh yeah, I didn't think that way. You know? So we, we work well together. Um, we have a great producer, uh podcast, Dave, he's, a, he's our producer. We give him a name, you know? So, so people know that we use him. just like Rogan gave Jamie, yeah. um, you know, that whole thing. And I, I think, you know, we, we have a good little thing that's going right now. You know, podcast Dave drives me nuts sometimes and I wanna strangle him. But uh, but it's like having a little brother you never wanted, you know, and sometimes you gotta be you gotta be friends friends with him and play with him and you know and 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 encourage him to, you know, to be who he is. But I love it, man. I, I love the group that we have right now. We have a good little thing and and uh the numbers have grown. I think we're we're growing like a thousand subscribers a week. It's nice, you wow. know, as of now. And there was a couple there was a couple weeks in there where we we that first week of of u f c fights we grew six thousand subscribers in one week yeah. that was insane, man that first week when u f c first came back with first fights uh we grew six thousand subscribers in that week It was phenomenal we had a great time so we're just we're getting off the ground man we've only been we haven't even been doing this for a whole year yet yeah. you know we we're we're almost at fifty thousand subscribers so we haven't been doing it for a whole year yet and we're trying to get up higher so um you know it is what it is we're we're loving it we're having a good time you know and uh We'll see where it goes. But I really look at it this way. <clears throat> like if, if anyone wants to get into being an analyst and anyone wants to get into like being a commentary or analyst for any sport, whether it's MMA or any other sport, whether you want to do it or not, get a microphone, get a camera and just talk into the mic and create your own YouTube channel and just have fun. Yeah. That right there gives you reps to to feel comfortable in front of the camera. It feels comfortable to where you put your eyes. It feels comfortable to talk when the camera's focused right on you and what you're going to say and still get your words out. The hardest part you'll have is when someone's in your ear telling you 10, 9, yeah. 8, 7, and you're trying to drive your point home and you can't get the words out because yeah. someone's counting down in your ear. You know, that's the hardest part. But uh, but getting reps on the mic, getting reps in front of a camera, I mean, if you have a desire and you and you and that's something you want to do, whether it's talk about football, baseball, basketball, whatever it is, or MMA – Get in front of a mic, start your own little YouTube thing. You don't even have to open up. That's the great thing about YouTube. You don't have to open it up to the public. Just do it for yourself. Do your own videos, you know, and and do it that way. That's I encourage everyone, man, to do it, you know. And people are like, oh, you must you must be stupid because someone may take your job, possibly. But if they took my job, it means I wasn't doing a very good job, anyways. Right. So maybe I need to go back home and work on my craft and get back at it. But plus, every- so there's a
0: lot every episode you do, every time you do it, you're just that much ahead of the curve. So I mean, you're that much ahead of the next guy. So it's like, you're, you're so far ahead. You're making yeah. yourself better too, you know? And like, yeah, it's awesome, man. And it's, it's a passion thing too. Like you were saying, your passion is talking. Your passion is, you do a great job, by the way. Uh, and your passion is like, you know, commentary, uh, analyst work and stuff like that. And, and like, I'm following my passion. And I think when you, when you follow your passion instead of following what people want you to do, or uh, yeah. a lot of guys go to college now, and they get degrees and things and, and they're, they're chasing money and they think, oh, this job makes a lot of money. If they're not passionate about it, they're not going to be successful and they're not going to enjoy their life. Mm. Uh, there's, there's money and then there's enjoying your life. I, I know billionaires and millionaires that work 15 hours a day and don't enjoy their lives. They can't even take one day off, you know, more or less yeah. fly to Bali for two weeks, you know, or do something like that. Um, and I think you found something you're passionate about as I did post in my, in my post fight career where I'm over here living a good life, you know, and I enjoy what I'm doing. It's fun and it's exciting and, and it's rewarding. So uh, it's good well, to see you to doing this. the same this thing. Is, man. This
1: is one thing. Swick, listen to this. When I was a kid, right, I was 18, 19 years old. And I had like two or three fights. My family found out that I was fighting. And then I moved down to San Jose to train. You know, I had—I want to say I had like seven or eight fights when I moved down to San Jose and started training with Frank and started training at AKA and all these things. My family, because I came down here, I was going to college and I was training on the side. You know, at Frank's play at AKA with with Frank. My family was like, "What are you doing? You're wasting your time. You're you know, this is this is a waste of you. You're gonna get seriously injured." All these things. And I'm like, I just kept doing it. Just kept doing it. kept I was wrestling in college and I just kept doing it. I just loved training. I loved being part of the gym. It kept me away from being at the club. Kept me away from being stupid and doing dumb things. Yep. I was just, I ingrained myself in it. Guess what? Within, by the time I got signed with the UFC, my family didn't even know that I had signed with the UFC. My family didn't even know I was fighting on TV, mm-hmm. on pay-per-view. But guess what? One of my cousins was in Vegas. On uh, my first UFC fight when I fought Gerald Streebent. And I'm in the back warming up. And he texts me and says, Hey, I just saw your name on the flyer out in the casino. Are you fighting? And I said, Yeah, I'm fighting here. He's like, Holy shit, I'm here right now at the Mandalay Bay. Like, can I come? And I'm like, I'm like in the back warming up.
0: Yeah.
1: And crazy. he I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, look, dude, I can't get you a ticket, man, unless you can get in. I said, and I fight probably I want to say I was like the second or third fight on the main card, maybe the fourth or something like that. But anyways, I was later in the pay-per-view, not, the, not on the main card, but on the prelims. But I was like third or second or third fight on the prelims. And and he like, he went and bought a ticket and came in and watched. After that, he spread all the knowledge to the rest of the family saying like, dude, he's fucking good. Like he's good. He's on TV. Like he's, he's, people are buying pay-per-views yeah. that he's fighting on. That's crazy. Maybe they're not buying it for him. But he's on pay-per-view cards yeah. like this is crazy and he's good. And then I won that fight and it was just – it was almost like the reality was I was hearing from my family for years about how, oh, you're wasting your time. You're yeah, going to get hurt. You're going to be broke. You're this. Get a job. Why don't you work for a union? Be a plumber. Be an electrician. I had no desire to do that. It's passionate. And it's all, it's all led me to do this. So if you don't fire – if you don't follow the desire that you have on what you want to do and sometimes you don't know what it is you want to do. But do what you enjoy doing, and that'll lead you in a direction that opens up a bunch of other doors. Right. You know, I enjoy talking about fighting. I loved fighting so much that I I just dedicated myself to it, and I thought I was pretty good. And I think I lived out to be a pretty good fighter. And now I've talked about fighting because I love fighting so much, and it's progressed into this. I have a podcast now. I'm an analyst now, and. And think about this, I work for CBS and Showtime. I must be decent at what I'm doing. <laughs> I must be okay. Not bad so I love this, man. I love this. And I and like I said, with you, it's I love it. I love the fact that you you own this huge AKA out in Thailand. And when you came to me and said I'm going to open this big gym, and then I'm I'm like I'm like, man, the gym business is hard and you're opening this huge square like this How big is your place? 2 acres. 50, 60, 000, 50 or 60,000 square feet yeah. the actual facility. All, Cute. Of all of them yeah, yeah. it's enormous wow. man that's crazy to me i'm thinking to myself there's just no way i could manage a place like that and you're fucking killing it over there and like and when javier came back after visiting him for the first time he's like you don't get it he's like this place is absolutely amazing he's like i that's wish awesome, i could i you. wish i had a place like that
0: you know and <laughs> here he is the owner of
1: aka itself saying man i wish i had a place like mike swicks <laughs> it's thanks fucking man. Yeah, i appreciate it you know and um Yeah. I, I, I think that you are doing a phenomenal job, you know? Um, and I know it must be hard, like, you know, living in Thailand, like being from here and being back and forth or whatever it is, but I think it's great, man. I think you're doing a great
0: job and, uh, I admire you a lot. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, dude. Same, same back to you, man. I've always thought you were one of the most technical guys on the team and You've always been, obviously, you've helped me for my fights and been a big inspiration for me and and helped me get ready for a lot of my fights, so I appreciate that. Uh, Speaking of Thailand real fast before we go, when when am I gonna get you out here? Because I've been asking you for what, seven, 10 years now? There was like the first time I said I'm gonna build the gym and then that took like forever. Dude, do you remember when I was coming back from building the gym? and y'all were like cuz I'd be gone I'd fight and then I'd be gone yeah. and then you'd see me like yep. get ready for a fight and then I'd be gone and then like get ready for a fight and I'd be gone and then eventually y'all were just like dude are you really building a fucking gym cuz I had no photos I had I was just failing you know yeah. I, didn't, I wasn't had no progress no nothing and and y'all like I, I I feel like the team didn't believe I was building a gym I felt like you thought yeah. guys thought I was over here like he's fucking around And then finally I built the gym and, and, uh, you know, it it got up and and it was, I was proud to, to, to open it up and, uh, I wanted to show you guys. So I've been asking you for like seven years, when are you going to be able to fly over here? And, uh, dude, I got a picture of you fighting Gilbert on the wall. I got you with your belt on the wall. I got like, dude, I'm it's waiting for you, man. Like when are you going to come over here and, and check it out? And let me show you Phuket and show you the gym. And,
1: yeah, I got, I got, I definitely got to get over there. I would like to. Obviously, we're gonna have to wait till all this stuff settles down and flights can be taken. But, um, but no, I, I think after probably you said because I think there was a time I was gonna come. I was gonna come in like a September, and you said oh, no, 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 you should wait till November. Yeah, you were in Singapore and Then I or something. Up, then I ended up getting a fight and I couldn't make it, and I was like, all right, because I wanted to come out for a while during that time, and I was like, you know what, September would be perfect, this and that. And then you said, no, no, come in November because that's a better time to come in November to like February or March or something like yeah, that. Yeah, High season. And I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, okay, okay, cool. I'll come there and then and then and then uh, I ended up getting a fight like in January or in, in that time or something like that. I was like, ah, oh, I can't go. So I had to stay and focus on that. And then time passed and then I ended up getting a job being an analyst and I was like stuck. Yeah. So not stuck, I should say, but more I started busy, becoming yeah. busy. But um uh, but now I mean like also to owning a gym myself, owning, you know, a clothing line and doing other things. It's hard, man. It's hard to get away. Otherwise, shit yeah. falls. Unfortunately, shit falls
0: apart. Yeah. And you no, know, know. That. That's, that's why, that's why I'm stuck here, time. bro. And I say stuck the same way you did. I love being here. But it's like when I leave, things don't happen the way they do when I'm here. And I go to the gym every yeah. day, you know. So it's like, it's, yeah, I know what you're talking about for sure, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. But, uh, man, thanks for taking the time off for coming on the podcast. It's, it's great catching up with you. And, uh we haven't talked this extensively in a long time man and, and dude we we spent a lot of time face punching each other i mean <laughs> yes, dude we, we spent a lot of time yeah. training and grappling and fucking working hard yeah. so it's good to see where we're at right now i'm proud of you man i'm, I'm happy to see you You've got a great podcast i'm happy to see you on you. on the desk doing the commentary and the analyst work and and so good job man And i'm just glad that uh that, that we're doing stuff I'm, I'm really happy about that
1: thank you man i appreciate it and the same goes to
0: you my brother i do take care and i'll see you take it easy man have a good one all right well there you have it josh thompson uh aka teammate of mine for many many years something like 19 years we've trained side each other off and on um even the latter part of that i've been over here building this gym in thailand but uh yeah it's great catching up with him i haven't talked to josh that long for such a long time and we got into some good debates we we see uh, some things the same, some things different. And I think that's really healthy to have these, these kind of conversations with good friends and, uh, and, and get different people's points of view. And, and hopefully you took from that as well. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please leave a comment, subscribe, let us know what you think, let us know what you want to see on the show in the future. Um, if you're on the audio platforms, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, you can subscribe to us as there as well. Um, and, uh, thank you. Thanks for viewing. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time.